Everybody and welcome to episode 408 of the Siren Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my hastily edited co-hosts Peter and Jake. That's right, Kurt. <laughs> we are we are speeding through here with our um, extra long uh, Twitter uh, Island promo edition, extended edition of the cast. I'd say it was 20 minutes, but we're going to go so much more than 20 minutes. Well, um, at first we started at 19 minutes, and then we deleted that, and then uploaded a 21-minute version. Oh, was, I thought it was 15 minutes. <laughs> or whatever it was. It was my man, it was my man increased his haterade by like 1.5%. <laughs> it was so great to watch in real time, because he took it down, and you're like, oh, okay, he... I guess he like cross felt he crossed the line or something. And he just doubles down with an even longer version. <laughs> so for those not in the know, um, just like yesterday, I think pr- it was in the middle of the afternoon. So prior Precisely to Friday yesterday. Night SmackDown, yeah, The Rock releases a 21 minute. It was 15 minutes, but he extended it to a 21 minute heel promo on Cody Rhodes. It's just him in his island at his island home. Just like, just just ranting for twenty minutes. I don't know if it's real like, or not, but I saw a purported response from Cody that was basically like, "Too long, didn't watch it." Yes, yeah. <laughs> sorry to hear that, or happy for you, whichever. Yeah. <laughs> just everyone catching strays. Um, Seth just getting buried in the background here. The walking yeah. clown emoji that is Seth Rollins. So, like, they they also open SmackDown with a 45-minute promo segment featuring The Rock and, and Roman. And they set up the match, the tag match for night one. Um, And there's there's some theory that Seth might be a double agent and turn on Cody in the tag match. But he's been getting so buried in this program <laughs> that I don't know if that makes any fucking sense. Yeah. Um, no, it was, it was so good because it was, it was just 20 minutes of the rock just in his element. He didn't know, no, no, uh, censors just let him, let him go for it. And I think part of this was, I mean, it, well, it was a great like, uh, thing that, you know, cause he put it on his, his Twitter, right? So as Instagram, so as part of it, um, I think there's a lot of his a lot of his audience that didn't necessarily watch his wrestling stuff, but was like just the rock fans. Um, it's been crazy because for so many years, like the rock has had this completely like sanitized public appearance where he's just so careful in what he says like everything he says is so milk toast it couldn't ruffle anyone's feathers possibly and so to see him revert back to like being a unrepentant asshole has been like such a huge whiplash for me personally (laughs) but i'm here for it i'm about yeah i'm absolutely here for it um yeah and for his if even if you don't watch wrestling you can watch this promo because like he outlines the entirety of the feud through this promo. Like if you don't 
if you if ever want to get not caught up on what's going to happen fan, at WrestleMania, this is the thing. This is the 20 minute video that'll get you there. Also, if if you've ever been like even mildly curious about professional wrestling, watch like sign up for Peacock. You can like get a month three in April and just watch this WrestleMania because this has been like one of the most well built up WrestleManias that I can remember. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> yeah. If you have a young child who's just starting to watch media and you need to get, you know, you want to introduce wrestling to them. Um, if you, ha- you know, you have them in your, in your pouch, uh, your baby pouch. And your little baby Bjorn. <laughs> baby Bjorn. <laughs> and they're just watching TV. Maybe, maybe you should put this on and, and implant it in their mind uh, so they grow up to become wrestling fans. I'm going to recommend, I'm going to recommend it to, uh, to Miss Rachel to have like a a WWE Miss Rachel um, kind of collab where she can like narrate over one of these events. This is this is the part where I have to date myself and ask who the fuck Miss Rachel is. Yeah. Uh, Miss Rachel's a, a YouTube personality that does um, baby and like toddler content. Um, see, and she like is extremely popular, extremely popular. Um, does has done collabs with like other. Um, like YouTube personalities as well as like like big time personalities. I think she did like mm-hmm. Sesame Street collabs, um, Wiggles collabs, uh, and and like an hour long video gets like 183 million views. It's it's insane. Right. So peak uh, peak uh, tablet viewing content. Yeah. All she has to do is like put out one video a month, and she's fine. Because, like, yeah. parents can just, like, repeat shit. <laughs> Wouldn't cares? that be nice? Yep. <laughs> just rack up the views. Um, Yeah, so get her to narrate. She can be on the color commentary for yeah. WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, do, you like, do you like the Nickelodeon version of, like, the Super Bowl? Yeah, this <laughs> does have uh, core memory potential. Yeah. This main event. Yeah, I this main event... I don't, don't want to be hyperbolic and say that it's it's the Hogan Andre of our generation, but it certainly it feels like maybe the Hogan Warrior of our generation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something it's it really has the the potential, especially if just just stuff like this. <laughs> I, well, I, I know I don't want a fantasy book and like be upset when it doesn't happen, but all the all the theories about like them losing the tag match on night one and uh cody having to overcome the bloodline interference and then a possible stone cold appearance to to even the odds like (laughs) i i don't even know what would happen to my body if that came to fruition (laughs) my my bones would spontaneously vibrate out of my corporeal form i I might that might that, that pop, before. the pop in Philadelphia, if like The Rock and Roman have like laid out all of Cody's support staff and they're ready to like work him over and then mm. the glass shatters, <laughs> like that might create an out of body experience for me. <laughs> the world may never be the same. But anyway, that's not what this show's about. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, hey, Jake. Where are we coming live from? We're coming at you live. I got nothing special. Dunes of Arrakis. Let's go. We're coming at you live. We're going to ride some sandworms. We're going to 
Stick where, a spike up a worm, if you know what I mean. This this guy, Paul. Paulie gonna... comes in and says, it's me. I'm him. I'm Dune 2 2024. I want like uh, a simplistic summary of Dune just to be like, gonna... so your friend Paulie comes in and says he's basically Jesus. What do you do? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't want to be Jesus, but then then he drinks some worm juice and and he turns heel. He has and... a sip of the potion. <laughs> his people are it hits kind the of, sandworm motion. His, and his people po- are kind his... of fans of sounding, sounding his... sandworms. It's a little weird, but uh, but yeah, uh, we're we're we watch Dune too, so we're gonna give you our yeah. perspective, our retrospective, our hopes, dreams. For the future, maybe our introspective, our introspective, our out of body experiences we may have had. Um, I got so excited during this movie that my calf cramped up. <laughs> so, <laughs> are you that, sure that wasn't just the salty popcorn? <laughs> this movie, it uh, it was that's interesting. A, that's a hell of a Charlie horse. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. I enjoy. I, I had a fun time watching it. I found it comical in a lot of parts, um, but like, yeah, I don't know that it really excited me a lot. We'll we'll talk about it more yeah. when we get to the. Hell yeah, I have the, not heard what you guys' opinions about it was yet so far. Um, so I am interested to see uh, where you guys land on this as um as a, a sequel this is a hard movie to do i'll say this one thing before we we move mm-hmm. on dune dune's a hard thing to adapt uh it was considered unadaptable for many years yeah and, and uh i i feel like maybe for good reason part twos are like naturally hard to do already so like they're doing a hard thing of a very hard thing well i think you had to make this at yeah. least a two-part movie. I, and I told, we I we told saw we saw what the alternative was. Yeah, I know. Nineteen eighty-four. <laughs> um, and also, just a disclaimer to people: don't bring your baby to a seven forty-five showing of the louder version of a two-hour. Oh, did you see it in IMAX? Minute. I saw it in Cinemark's XD. It's not like I don't think it's IMAX, but it's like. It's like oh, the it? Regal RPX. It's like their version of IMAX. It's just like I think a wider format and then louder okay. sound. Yeah, that's Oh, it's, they don't they don't have the it, rights to IMAX. No, they don't. So it's they, just it's their a, big screen big surround they system. They don't they didn't choose the license IMAX yeah. cuz yeah. I think you have to license it. Um so it's kind of like RPX at yeah. Regal. It, well, Regal's RPX right is the the wraparound screen, right? No, that's ScreenX. Oh, that's ScreenX. Oh, okay. How how dare you confuse those two? That's why very I, distinctly named <laughs> formats. Yeah. The I that's why I see on like my app, I get the app and they're like, "Oh yeah, free RPX tickets to Dune 2." And I'm like, "No. I don't want to see uh, I don't want to see a weird blurry uh Shai Halud in my in my peripheral vision." I yeah, I would actually kind of be interested. I think I would get more out of seeing Dune in screen X than they would in IMAX. Cause I feel like it's really, you want more horizontal bandwidth with For the landscape. The scenery shots, of I agree. Dune. Like I, I, I don't feel like that. the extra verticality really gets you much. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't like that. They like Nate, they put it natively at a lower resolution on the sides. 
I don't know if it's I think it just might be because they're they're short throw projectors on the sides. I think that just might be a consequence of the distance Maybe. between it. I don't know. It, also, it could have just been that the one movie we watched in Screen X was not really well made for, for Screen it. X. <laughs> yeah, it was maybe not the best first impression. Um, the, Top like... Gun, the Top Gun Maverick scene that they showed before it, though, looked pretty cool. Oh, I remember it from Top, like, from Top Gun Maverick. I, that was the one I was like not impressed by. Because yeah. I would look over and I'm like, it's like maybe nice when it's kind of in. I don't notice it when it's out the corner of my eye, and then I look over just to like see what it is, and then it's like, <laughs> I don't know that you're supposed to like actually turn and look at the side screens. I think it's right. just supposed to be I, periphery. But when I did, it was, it was it was rough. And then like when I'm looking forward, I don't I didn't notice. It didn't improve. It didn't. I wasn't like oh, I feel this like is that's kind of like saying. <laughs> That's kind of like watching a 3D movie without the glasses on, being like, "Yeah, it really didn't do much for me." <laughs> well, it, I mean, it it didn't like. I can't look right at it, and when I'm not looking right at it and it's doing what's supposed to be doing, it didn't like improve. It it didn't make me feel like I was immersed any more than usual. I agree. I just, it's it's probably not worth the extra money. Yeah. Um, just like I'd like to see a movie designed for Screen X, though. Just like I'd like to see a movie designed for a trailer. Yeah, I was no. stalling for our, our oh, co-host no, there, Jared. <laughs> I'm going to let him hang out to dry. <laughs> my man's my, my man is currently nunchucking his baby around the upstairs room. Um, but we can, we'll sneak in, we'll just sneak in whatever trailer we want. We'll throw in trailers from like last week. I mean, it's it's not an impressive slate of trailers this week. It's a lot of, like, let's get our shit out. Um, And it's a lot of... So, basically, you've got one remake, one prequel, and then two really similar concept thriller horror movies. Yeah. Um, so let's start with the remake. Uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Okay. Was that, um, a, a, I thought that was just an adaptation of a book. So you're saying this is a remake of a book adaptation? Yes. Uh, the original, I believe starred Christina Applegate. Um, okay. and it's really not that old. I don't think, um, yeah, 1991. So, well, I guess that is over 30 years old now. God damn it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's all from what I can tell, the only real difference is that they've race swapped the protagonist. Um Okay. And what, did you so wait, when you watched this originally, was this a movie that your your sister watched? You had to Um No, I just I just knew of its existence. Okay. Um I've never seen the original. Okay. Yeah, because I haven't either. But it it was a fairly I'd say it's kind of like a a cult classic. It's not it wasn't super popular or like a critical darling, but it's got a, a fairly strong following. And um it's like I said, it's not at least in my mind, it's not super old. Um and when I saw the trailer for this, when I saw Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead teaser trailer, I'm like, isn't that has that movie been out for a while? <laughs> <laughs> The answer is yes, it has. Um, 
I mean, it doesn't look bad necessarily, but it also, I don't see it as adding anything particularly noteworthy to it, which um, it really comes down to how you feel about remakes as a concept, right? Like, in my so, opinion, yeah. if you're going to do a remake, you have to, like, add something of value to the story. Otherwise, why even bother? Um, I know the reason is financial, but, like, from an artistic standpoint, why even bother? Yeah, this is, like, it makes me think of, like, the um, the Toto cover of, of or the, who covered uh, Africa? I think it was Weezer? Weezer, yeah. Weezer did they a just, couple Toto covers. And it was kind of, like criticized maybe a little bit that it was just a very faithful like one-to-one recreation of the album i was like that's nice that's that's good but the music video is a lot of fun with weird okay. al uh pretending to be rivers cuomo yeah <laughs> <laughs> i rem- i just remember getting heat because people were like why do we want to watch this why do we want to listen to this when we already have the album like the original album well, I, that's every cover, right? You know. <laughs> well, a lot of covers have the difference of like, well, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, covers usually have like the artist's own personality injected into the performance to change it up. And what I heard I about f- the Weezer album was that like they didn't like they very like faithfully like everything. That- I I would say that's more of Weezer and Toto having a lot of musical similarities than like them not putting their own style like it is it it feels weezer but like at the same time it's it's a cover of of africa it's not like corn doing the death metal version of jingle bells like it's not gonna be completely (laughs) out to lunch like that and weezer and toto have kind of similar i mean weezer's got a few different kind of sounds that they work with but there are a lot of similarities between them and Toto, although I think the the one that's most like their sound is Hold the Line, and that's like the one they didn't cover. They did Rosanna, and they did Africa. I think it was like a, a dual single uh, release. Okay, like a dual EP. Um, All right. I, I, I thought they were fine. Like <laughs> Again, I didn't listen to, to any of it. I, I don't really know what people <laughs> I just would know have expected. Like, yeah, it's like I guess my point is, why? Yeah, like why are we do? Why would you do a re a, a remake if you're not going to change up the formula? If you're gonna re- 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 remake a movie or an album or a book or something, and you're not going to update it. You're just gonna do it again. Um, well, I guess it's updated for modern audiences because. It's got a more diverse protagonist. I don't. I really don't know. Uh, yeah, it'll it'll be. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, but I'm not particularly interested in it. It's not really a movie that I think really needed to be remade. I guess no movie ever needs to be remade. But yeah. I want to. How way. old is the book? Is this? I didn't like, know that it was a book, to be honest. So. I thought this. Was, <laughs> this really feels like it was like a young adult, like comedic novel that was translated into um, a movie. That's. 
I, I mean, it it could be a book, but I've just I am, I'm only familiar with the uh, Christina Applegate movie. Yeah, I I don't know. This movie is apparently very baffling to me. I'm <laughs> I'm all twisted up about it. It yeah, it doesn't on the Wikipedia article. It does it says no mention of it being based on a book. Okay. I mean, are you thinking? I mean, I'm sure there's like a young adult book about adventures and babysitting or something like that. Yeah, I was thinking like like a Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret type of deal, where they took like a a young teen girl's book. I was like, oh, oh yeah, that's that's common, it. but I guess that just wasn't the case here. Yeah. All right. That's I don't know how much more I can talk about because this is like a teaser trailer. They show like they don't even also, show. The it's premise. very clear they we're don't... not experts on this topic. It's very... yeah. Um, we'll get we'll get a little costlier with Kevin Costlier. Um, All right, so this fucking movie is this not just Dances with Wolves again? <laughs> it's just uh, yeah. It, sure. it, I haven't seen Dance with Wolves, but I feel like this has been made. Well, Kevin Costner plays someone in the Civil War era America who interacts with, who's a white man who interacts with Native Americans. (laughs) And since it's a a movie in two parts that's being released, both parts being released in the same year, which is something we haven't seen since Matrix Revolutions, Revelations or whatever. Hmm. Um, Matrix Reloaded slash Revelations, that's what it is. Um... And Dances with Wolves is famously like six hours long. It's only like three something, but like mm. <laughs> this feels very much the same movie to me. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's just a very flaccid surface level comparison. Yeah. Because it's Kevin Costner in a Western. <laughs> yeah, it's. Oh, yeah, this doesn't look like it doesn't even feel like it has a plot because the, the, the trailer doesn't do a good job at establishing like a story. And I looked at it for the synopsis. I'm like, okay, what's the story of this movie? And it's just, it's about the West and how it was lost and won through four years during the civil war. It's taken them on a journey. I'm going to, I'm going to try to read some, some plot synopsis is here to see how this, compares to dances with wolves yeah it's uh, they're both written and directed by kevin costner too which makes the comparison even more kind of one note (laughs) apt (laughs) um they're like set in the same time period (laughs) he might not actually be a uh a lieutenant in the Union Army in this one, and that might be the like major difference between the two movies. But if you're curious, so here's here's my recommendation to you. If this movie seems interested to you, but you're not sure if you want to invest the money to see two movies in theaters to get the story, maybe watch Dances with Wolves and see if that grabs you. Yeah. <laughs> and if that's not for you, chances are this one's not gonna be for you either. And if it, yeah, and then you've already seen Dances with Wolves, which is a a big American 
movie. A a well regarded movie, yes. Yeah. You know, I wonder I wonder if um you know, since so much stuff in life is cyclical, maybe this is the uh the start of you know, cowboy movies coming back. We got Killers of the Flower Moon. <sighs> they tried to get they tried to revive the Western in like the early twenty tens. Because they did the remake of The Magnificent Seven and the remake of True Grit mm-hmm. right around the same time. Uh, and it didn't take. <laughs> so maybe they're that? trying it again. What was that Johnny Depp movie? The um, Lone Ranger? Lone Ranger, yeah. They had, they had a Lone Ranger. They had uh, Cowboys vs. Aliens. So oh, that's like, true. That, some, mo- that movie was actually ideas. a lot better than it had any right to be. Yeah. yeah. I think we should, I think, like, the Weird West, either the Weird West should take, um, it's time for the Weird West, or, like, Western movies gotta break out of the mold. I know part of the thing of Westerns is that they're, they have, they follow a lot of tropes, and it's a very comfortable kind of genre, but mm-hmm. I think it's time to break out of that, because, like, I was looking at this trailer, I'm like, the characters and the plot and stuff and the things that happen are, like, Every other Western, it's like, okay, yeah. whatever. But Give. the stuff that grabbed me was, like, the landscape shots. And I'm like, why can't we have a Western that's about, like, a nature writer who's, like, his the whole story is him, like, going around and, like, looking at all this, the nature and his adventures well, they, and trying to make They made a Lewis catalog. and Clark movie, didn't yeah. they? And that's kind of what that would be, yeah. I think. Did they, did they make all a Lewis like and Clark that. movie? I'm pretty Maybe sure. it was a series? I remember... I remember during the run of this show, there was some Lewis and Clark show or movie that came out. Because I was just thinking, I'm like, they should make a Lewis and Clark movie. <laughs> that, like, I think that, like, would, uh, yeah, it was a documentary history. Um, but what I want, give me the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. movie. <laughs> yeah. It, like, you want Weird West? You want You want genre bending? You know, that's that's Briscoe County Jr. Although I will say that my interest in the show fell off quite a bit after it got super sci-fi, but Yeah, I I did kinda like that it was like kind of there in the when it was there like in the background. Yeah, but when 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 John Blythe's from the future and just like gets sucked into the Tesseract, I was like, Okay. We've 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 jumped a couple sharks here. That's maybe not, yeah. I don't see any movies about Lewis and Clark like from recently. Yeah. I hmm. the, the the documentary came out then. in '97, um, and then there were some YouTube videos about them. But uh, that, yeah, they really have not done a Lewis and Clark movie, which I think would do a. Well, there you go, Hollywood. Departure. That's, that's right a new there. idea. It's yeah, all American. I'd... It's the Great West. It's got tension and drama because they have to like work with the natives. It's, yeah, got, you it's want, got diversity because they're like could, working with the natives. Yeah, you could still include like some cowboys in that because you got to have like security along the way. You know. Yeah. And then throw in throw in your twist. We uh, don't we don't in, really like, have a lot of movies about like explorers yeah. and exploration in general. Maybe it's not very cinematic, but I think you could definitely it's, make. That I work. think it, it, it like it. The, I feel like the plot kind of writes itself, and that's why it's such a big part of history. Is like that it's a very easy story to tell. At least on the surface, to uh, school, like to school children, yeah. is all right. Jefferson, he's bought all this land. Your mission is to tra- is to go from here to the Pacific Ocean, track yeah, everything you, can... you see, mark the dangers, and make your way through. The movie is taking shape in my mind. You open on like Capitol Hill, 
where Jefferson's like signing the the paperwork for the Louisiana, Louisiana, purchase. Louisiana purchase official, and then you know he's talking with his uh, counsel and his consigliaries, and he's like, "All right, we need we need to hire someone to chart this land. Uh, who we got?" And then you know they yeah. kind of bandy we about it, like it cuts to Lewis and or Clark. <laughs> okay, yeah. hear hear me out. We had the the last Transformers movie take place in 1990. If we were to have Michael Bay do a Transformers movie featuring Lewis and Clark, where they're like station wagons, were like Optimus Prime, and they would go wet. They have to escort the Transformers west. Huh. Okay. And that's where maybe one of the uh, they have a MacGuffin that they have to. Either transport or retrieve. It's maybe like a uh, something to do with leadership. Um, maybe like a matrix or matrices of friendship and leadership. And um, then they have not to get, sure like, what's funnier in my cube. mind: the idea of like a transformer stagecoach, or the fact that you call the stagecoach a station wagon. <laughs> oh yeah, whatever station wagon. <laughs> I mean, I guess my mind was on cars, so. <laughs> As long as, as long as, no, I don't know. If That'd be like, interesting, a Lewis and Clark movie where they're driving station wagons through Look. undeveloped Louisiana. It wasn't that a fucking Ford commercial. It was like George Washington coming in on the, charging the British on a Ford. Clossing the like, Delaware on a fucking cyber like, truck. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't take much to get my wires crossed these days. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about this movie. Like Kevin Costner. Like he he drops like there's a couple lines that I just like I feel are real clunkers, where like he it, there's one he's like he killed that man about as if he was taking out the garbage like he forgets his line in the middle of his line I know it's a line that he himself wrote like <laughs> it just really it just <laughs> just made a splash like a like a fucking fender dropping into an old quarry lake. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even uh <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> let's let's we respond just go. to it by going to the next trailer. Yeah. Uh The Watchers. So uh <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan's kid is getting into the game now. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. So okay. it's uh Ishana Knight Shyamalan, which I'm not gonna assume the gender of his kid. It is his daughter, okay. Yeah. Um it's <laughs> Produced by M. Night Shyamalan, uh, starring Dakota Fanning. And it's basically, what if the Truman Show were spooky? <laughs> I was going to say, what if the what if there really were little people in your TV? <laughs> yeah. That were acting this out. Um, but it does answer the, uh, the great philosophical question, who watches the watchers? That would be the people in the theater. <laughs> it's me. I'm him. <laughs> I'm Mr. Watcher. Um, yeah, of course I know him. He's me. <laughs> it's the it's the new twist on the old trope. It's people running around in the woods. The movie, uh, but it's it's post two thousands. It's twenty twenty four. So of course those woods have to be uh, northern pine forests and very foggy. It's supposed to be in Ireland, which I think is kind of anachronistic. I don't know that they have that kind of foliage in Ireland. Yeah. 
<laughs> they cut down all they cut down all the trees. It's well, like, oh, I mean, we're like, in the woods. Oh no, there's forest, we have to walk but I don't... a full 300 meters until we get to town. I don't know if they have uh, like pine forests like that. Yeah, I I don't think so. I mean, I've only ever been to Dublin, so I'm yeah. not exactly an expert. And I know most of the Irish landscape looks like upstate New York. That's probably why so many of us settled here. Yeah. Um, But the synopsis is mysterious creatures stalk a young artist and three strangers in an Irish forest. Um, I'm interested to see if her style differs from her father's. If if there's going to be a major twist. Is this like a Jaden Smith kind of thing? Going to land or not? Or like... um... Yeah, where he's like, I'm going to put you in the movies because I'm in the movies and I want my kid to do, to follow my legacy. Yeah, so it's um, it's not unprecedented. Sophia Coppola, uh, daughter of Francis Ford Coppola, has had a pretty good career as a filmmaker. Um, so it's yeah. possible. She's not at least in my opinion. And that it might mostly just be because of the type of movies she's made aren't as interesting to me, but I don't think she has the talent that her father did. But um, M. Night Shyamalan kind of... <laughs> he was like a two-hit wonder. <laughs> yeah. So... If two the wonders, apples fell it, further from little, the tree. Well, only a little more common than a one-hit wonder, but man, does it give you so much more... Uh, um, benefit of a doubt when making... well i guess he had he had three right so you had he had six cents obviously and then unbreakable was also uh well yep. received and then split many years later was pretty well received and we've got a it's a real skinner box situation of like well there's a chance it could be good yeah like his, his output like old and a knock on the cabin or whatever, knock in the woods, uh, not super well. Honestly, anything he's made after the year 2000, with the exception of Split, has not been very well received, yeah. including his classic <laughs> movie that everyone knows and loves, The, the Last Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> Which I heard that the Netflix show is not doing that well either. Yeah. Um, it's not as bad. It's not bombing. Well, obviously, um, it's not as bad, but that's not a particularly high bar to clear. That's kind of damning it with faint praise. Yeah. Um, the only person I've ever ta- I've talked to about it is is one of our coworkers, um, and he says it's okay so far. <laughs> he hasn't gotten too deep into it, so. Yeah, I I I was never an Airbender guy. I was never a fan. I never watched it. Um, yeah, I never but the people got... who like it seem to like be fanatical about it, and it's a, it was Jake's special interest has been mentioned. He's trying to hustle down here. <laughs> Just walk around the house with the mic, Jake. I mean, we, I'm listening to everything. We got to so. get you the. I know we. I know you can hear it, and you can't respond. I'm sure it's tearing you up inside. That's why we need to get you like a wireless Yeti. Well, I mean, if the mic on that is of decent quality, we might be able to work with it. It's not. It's not. No. <laughs> okay. No. What do you mean? No, you, don't no, want, I, you don't want to talk like this? It's really funny because I'll like, 
every now and then I if I don't want to use this like for a game or whatever, I switch to this and they're like, God, Jake, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> you were so clear a second ago. Now you sound awful. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, oh, he switched, sorry, I didn't want to switch in the gamer mode. I can, uh, I can, I can make some magic happen in post production, but I'm not a miracle worker. <laughs> no, 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 I, I wouldn't bet on you. Plus, I had a, a screaming baby um, yeah. that you would have probably driven out your ear holes with um uh i heard you talking about avatar though yeah tell me about the netflix series jake is it a travesty and a an assault to everything that was the original show you i am only three episodes in i think um and it is around episode three is when you i'm three or four i'm even four episodes in um it's around episode three is when you start to see the cracks start to form Episode oh. one and two, I think the original creators of Avatar were brought in on, um, and then they left because they didn't like the direction that they were being told to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't there they are some like changes cut out that several I, like major story arcs. Um, so it's like the character development that they're really messing with. Like Sokka's character development is not going to be as I think good as it was in the show. Because if you rewatch the show as an adult, you definitely see a lot of the um, the nuances of like character development throughout the um, series, and that's nice. That's good to see. Um, but the show got to take its time with it a little bit. Um, it got to also do those side quests that kind of were disjointed from the whole story that kind of brought the whimsy to Avatar, where this show has to make much more of a linear path. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to. They're not, but they're not making they a twenty-six season episode, a twenty-six episode season of the Netflix show. So that here's the weird thing: this is eight episodes, an hour long each, so eight hours approximately. Where the twenty-six episodes were twenty-two minutes. Um, if you kind of roughly, I think the actual animated series is shorter, possibly than than the actual thing. Now you can. I'm not going to do the math right now, but if you want to yeah, do I'm it just going to look up Avatar season and, one runtime. And like, and like, correct me, but um, they are adding a lot of stuff in the background that was never covered. That might have been covered in later seasons. It's 10 hours to watch season one of Avatar. 10 hours? Okay. All right. So they are trying to rush, rush in a lot of things. So it throws off the pacing quite a bit. Like, it's paced for the first couple episodes pretty well, and from what I understand, later on, it kind of rushes through some things. And I already know from episode three and four, they take elements from season two and three, and they just throw it into season one. Like, there's entire, like, storylines that are introduced um, in, in season one for no reason. Um, yeah, that's what my the buddy I was talking with at work said. Like, they did a lot of stuff with the, the Earth Nation already which comes later in the actual show yeah omashu is is one of the towns that they that they visit in like episode three um and they don't even introduce that until season two so in season two of the animated show after ang gets done with water bending he has to learn earth bending it's split up season by season i need to learn water bending in season one earth bending in season two fire bending season three um and he goes to his friend Bumi, who might still be alive in uh, the Earth Kingdom in Omashu, to learn earthbending. And he finds out Bumi's old; he can't do it. He can't find a teacher there. 
um, that's where they bump into Toph. But instead, in this, in the live action, they just throw Omashu and some other like disjointed, um, unconnected story arcs in Omashu instead of where they would have seen them uh, if they followed the animated series like Natural Path. So it's not it's not bad, I would say, but it's not great. Um, the writing is definitely much worse than I think what the animated show had and the character development is they're trying to take a much more serious tone, which is like, okay, well then you, if you sap the whimsy out of like the animated show, you're going to end up with a shitty show. I'm sorry, but it's not all that great without like the lightheartedness because that's kind of what makes the characters, the characters, they're kids. They're like, Mm. 12 yeah. and 14 and 15 years old. You know, they're not supposed to be like super old. Get a little and, sassy like, sometimes. Yeah. So I I don't, I'll have to finish it to figure out and get a full opinion. I can come back to you later with this, but mm. um it's not it's not perfect. So Right. All right. It seems like yeah, Avatar is just it's a very holistic kind of product that you need everything to make work. Well, it's one of those things that has such a uh, devout following mm-hmm. that like it's almost not even worth trying to adapt because you're never going to be able to please everyone with it. Yeah. yeah. What Avatar fans really want is the just the OG animated series upscaled to HD. Like fuck, even a Which lot of never people gonna happen. who are fans of Avatar like hate Legend of Korra. There there are some that hate it, there are some that love it. Like I, I'm, I'm a fan of the original, and I really enjoyed Legend of Korra. I mean, I thought they did a cool job with it. I don't know any dog in the fight. I've heard people were kind of upset no. with the implication that Aang was not a great dad or something like that. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. There were, there were some because, yeah, because they when you try to retcon stuff, you're always gonna get some naysayers, where they're like, no, no, it was fine the way it was. You know, why did you have to go and change this? And it's like, okay, well, there's. There's some truth to that, but there's also some truth to we're building on that character. We're not tearing them down. We're not saying everything they did in the past was thing. But also, you're not supposed to have a character, and this is like in general movies and TV shows, not just Avatar. A character that's flawless is not a fun character to be around. Um, it's or at least to watch. If you have a character that has flaws, you can see yourself in them a lot more. And you can um, you can resonate with them a little bit more um, when you have this like Mary Sue of a character. I don't know what's it was the guy version of Mary Sue called Gary Stu. Gary I Sue. think Gary, Gary Stu. Yeah, you know they're the perfect at everything. They have the they have a, a they're they have a straight moral compass. Like they're nothing is wrong with them. Who cares? Yeah. It's the you know? it's the they're Luke Skywalker it. versus Ray debate. Yeah, you know, like yeah. one's a nuanced character and the other's just. A self-insert. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, All right. But <clears throat> Real quick, let's let's round up the list of the trangers, tra- yeah, trailers. I guess I'll use that stumble. Uh, the Strangers, Chapter One. Uh, it's a uh, it's a horror movie from like 2007 that they're deciding to make a prequel for for some reason. Yeah. Next, uh, I saw the TV glow. It's a lot like The Watchers, only A24 style. Maybe. It's like they watched R.L. Stein's Goosebumps as kids, and now it's come back. But it's yeah, more maybe it's more like a Goosebumps. And there's a glowing ice cream cone. 
So yeah. if there's if there is to be a twist in this movie, I think I know what it is, and that it's they're actually characters in the TV show, and this is an episode of the TV show. Yeah, I think it could yeah. be part of the premise there. It's like is that it's mysterious. The trailer is very mysterious. Could be. Um, I had a I had a it was kind of weird watching this. Uh, I didn't really know what to think of it, but I'm thinking that maybe they have this trauma. Um you know, that happened in their childhood and this TV show was the escape. So when they're like mm-hmm. looking back on this TV show during their childhood, they're remembering it differently and it's kind of messing with their head. And I don't know if there's a blur between the TV show and like whatever trauma that they oh, have. Oh, okay. So you're thinking that the surreal stuff that's going to happen, it's going to be a, um, like visions coming up from yeah. their past. Yeah, yeah it, like he might. It might. It also might be like a Black Swan thing, where the main character's like grip on reality is just starting to slip, and all this shit's happening in his head. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, what else is there? Okay, actually, that's kind of interesting. So, I was reading some comments on the trailer for I Saw the TV Glow, and uh, someone said, so it's basically Candle Cove 2.0, and I was not sure what that was, so I looked it up, and uh, <clears throat> it's a creepy pasta, and there are definitely some similarities. <laughs> uh, the story centers a discussion of the titular fictional children's television series, Candle Cove, on an internet forum, Travis stated he was inspired to write the creepypasta after reading an article on The Onion entitled Area 36-Year-Old Still Has Occasional Lindsville Nightmare. Uh, Stubb's story quickly became popular, inspiring numerous... All right, let's just read the synopsis. Story is told in the format of a thread of the fictional net nostalgia forms where a group of users discuss unusual low-budget children's television show Candle Cove they all remember watching on Channel 58 and The Haunted Ting and ashland metropolitan area where they were when they were children in the early 70s the show is about a young girl named janice who imagines herself to be friends with marionette pirates as users continue to reminisce they begin to recall more disturbing details about the show such as characters known as the skin taker a skeleton pirate who wears clothes made out of children's skin and an episode that consisted entirely of the puppets falling and screaming while Janice cries. The story ends with a user stating that he recently asked his elderly mother in a nursing home if she remembered the show. She responds that every time the user claimed that Candle Cove was on, there was only static on the TV screen. Ooh, spooky. So it does sound a lot like that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Hmm, interesting. Um... Today uh, I learned. Also, <laughs> we also got like a, a. I thought this was a new movie for some reason because it was all about Leap Day, but this is just Leap Day William Fox Leap Day. Um, I I I appreciate the fact that it came out on Leap Day, but I didn't know this had anything to do with Leap Leap Days. They're gonna and I'm get like, attacked okay. by Leap Day Larry. Yeah. Okay. Leap Day a, William. Uh, a man-made design to make our calendars less confusing. Yeah. Or just work in general. <laughs> it's is, a uh, way to quantify it. These. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely uh definitely allowing these monsters to come to life. Yeah. Okay. When was Leap Day uh, Leap invented? 
probably around the same time as the solar calendar. <laughs> uh, Gregory Leap was uh, the first <laughs> man to... Uh, had an affinity for frogs and decided every three years to skip that day All until right. the fourth year. He would um, actually plant a tadpole in the ground and a tree would grow every season. They would call it the leap tree. Yeah. How many? Uh, uh, so it's 46 Look BC. Prove me wrong. <laughs> yeah, Sam so. That's probably right around when the solar calendar was adopted. So how many leap... That That's around a little over 500 leap days, about. So we'd almost be back. We'd, we'd have gone around the year once, and then maybe another halfway around that. So if there were no leap days, we'd be... This would be June right now, probably. Probably. Perhaps August. Like All righty. That's trailers. Let's go now to the follow-up. Uh, taking a look at the domestic box office for Weekend 8, covering the 25th through, or 23rd through the 25th of February. That last... Uh, or, do I have that right? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Bob Marley, One Love, continues its run on top. Uh, down 53%, bringing in 13.4 million dollars in its second week. Um, up to 124 million dollars worldwide. And opening in second from Sony Pictures releasing. <laughs> this is just a funny way to call that distributor. Uh, Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yabia. Yaiba. 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 Uh, to the Hashira Training, which made $11.5 million in just 1,900 theaters. Um total worldwide of 37 million dollars with 24 million international probably from its japan run um probably but it also found itself in our spotlight this week it's in our crosshairs we're going to take a look at that it's rocking the 6.7 out of 10 on imdb 81 percent on fandango uh 7 out of 10 on ign the reason i pulled those other two is because i don't think other <laughs> More serious review outlets really bothered with it. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> as so we that, talked about before, I think this was just a couple episodes of the show um, mm-hmm. re-released. But the uh, the, co- Man, the real reviewers in the comments were they've very... They've come out little... fucking swaying. Like, on both ends of the spectrum, usually... Um, 10-star reviews are, are mostly just like, oh, this was great, loved it, uh, 10 out of 10. Um, but there's some some real aggression in the real reviewers here. Some Something about, something about weebs <laughs> really brings it out of them. <laughs> it's scary. On both sides. This is why Japan like was I'm, a mistake. <laughs> I feel like I'm reading a manifesto after manifesto. After Hot, manifesto. Yeah. They're here to fight. Like the, This is their home turf. They are even more than real reviewers. They are a much more terrifying breed. The they're, forum yeah, dweller. They're they're almost like Swifty level of uh, you and don't mess with it. This is like this is their yeah their home turf is text is text posts yes. online. <laughs> they they have years of forum experience. They, the real reviewer has finally adapted to its environment. Evolution has taken hold. 
This is the, this is the next for the next stage of human evolution. Britain should have Britain should have banned these instead of the uh, the American bully. Yeah. <laughs> All right, from GW five four five nine seven. The review of this movie, whose name I will not state again, I will just refer to it as Demon Slayer. Gave this nine out of ten review. People have no idea what they're talking about. I'm getting really frustrated from all the one-star reviews on what you guys think of this so-called movie. That's in quotations. It isn't supposed to be a full-on movie, yet people are calling it a scam for absolutely no reason. There has been multiple teaser-slash-trailers for the last three months, clearly stating that this movie will include the last episode of the Swordsmith Village arc, along with the first episode of the Hashira training arc. Nowhere did it say it would be a full movie, including 100% new content. This is supposed to be a fan event with special screenings of new episodes no one has watched yet. Do your research before going to the movies mindlessly, having no idea of what to expect, then calling the movie a scam. If you had literally watched any trailer for this, you would have known. One other thing I had to add was that these people's reviews have absolutely nothing to do with rating new content, overriding a one-star review because it is a scam. 104 out of 164 found that helpful. <laughs> they were, they were, they were, they were the prophecy has been told. All I learned oh. about this movie from this review is that it includes two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> oh That's one God. thing you won't I... find among anime discussions is talking about the actual anime. <laughs> Um, there there are just so many good ones for one stars. Um, but oh, oh yeah, we we were, we were both eating good this week, Jake. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I, I like this first one. Not to like cheap out and go for the first one on the one star, but I just like the title: a money collecting project, which is the definition of like any movie is a project to get any money. capitalistic yeah. enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one out of ten. Nor XP 3000. Very bad movie cut. This movie is 1 hour 44 minutes. 44 minutes are recaps of previous events, including the full last two episodes in Swordsmith arc. The remaining hour is a full of fillers. No fights, no important events at all. I recommend not to watch it in the cinema. Wait for the anime release. The movie is frustrating with a very long introduction. I finished my large popcorn beer before any new scenes or events. I do not get why. Why are there so many fillers with no events at all? It was boring with very poor writing. How can the main character stay in bed the whole arc? Poor writing in an anime? No. <laughs> Why is it converted into a movie in the first place? What a disappointment. 62 out of 100 found that helpful. <laughs> I'm stunned by oh. this development. <laughs> I Even the mids, I'm like eating good on. Usually it's like there's, all, you know, the ones that are good are very clearly different from the ones that are bad, but I have to like pick and choose here. Um, from JP91... Six out of ten. Kimetsu no Yaiba Kizuna no Kiseki Soshite Hashiro Gekoe is not a masterpiece. Its script is simple, but the animation is worth it. 
is a new film based on the manga and anime. A film whose animation is incredible, but the script does not tell the viewer much. This is due to the union of a couple broadcast episodes in the anime, and they are presented as a new cinematographic installment. Therefore, the editing usually gives confusing scenes and the story at one point in the film seems to have no reason to exist as such, becoming repetitive and incoherent, especially if you do not fully know the anime episodes and the idea behind putting a couple of episodes together as a new movie. Kimetsu no Yaiba Kinju no Kuseki Soshite Hashira Gekko A is not a masterpiece. Its script is simple, but its animation is worth it. <laughs> Two out of three found that helpful. <laughs> right in that voice, I think we have to cut that number in half. <laughs> I did not glean anything from that. <laughs> Well, I, I didn't glean I, anything I from the fucking review, and I was reading it. <laughs> there's, there's a strong, there's a strong name on this reviewer, uh, Manjiru. <laughs> <laughs> Has this to say about Demon Slayer? Ten out of ten. It was a review titled "Fans versus Reading Comprehension." <laughs> Good. S- submitted February twenty fifth, twenty twenty four. If you are a huge fan of Demon Slayer and want to see it on the big screen, a theater experience, then this is something you might want to watch. If you casually follow Demon Slayer, you probably shouldn't see this. As literally every single piece of advertisement and marketing information has thoroughly explained exactly what this movie would be showing, there is absolutely zero reason for anyone to be surprised or feel scammed by what they saw. The movie covers a short five-minute recap of every season thus far, with the ending theme to each subsequent season playing over it. Followed by episode 11 of the Swordsmith Village arc, the movie then finishes with the first episode of the Hashira Training arc, an early screening for a season that won't be out until spring. This movie, released in the end of February, spring begins in March. (laughs) (laughs) How exactly are people deciding to watch this movie without understanding the chronology of the anime? How are you not watching trailers or reading a simple excerpt from an article or literally the movie description? You're just upset that you're re-watching content you've already seen, yet it could just as likely be the case that you've skipped content and just got spoiled by watching this movie since you failed to even check what the movie is about. Please do yourself a favor and utilize, at the very least, a tiny, the teeniest bit of your brain power you can muster so that, one, you don't waste your precious time and money on a product you don't like, and two, I don't lose brain cells having to read through these one-star angry reviews that shouldn't exist in the first place. Media literacy. Learn it. 20 out of 36 found that helpful. (laughs) I picked that one specifically because it feels like something I would have written. (laughs) So uh, the one out of 10s are all the same uh, review, just like with words swapped around until this guy. This guy uh, somehow got an AI to write an actual review, which I'm so happy. Good Um, for you. Yeah, it's not well. It's like everything else is the same. It's like 
Although two two last two episodes were in the beginning, and then he did bad shit, and then uh, then they've got seven minutes of actual content. This guy's like, no nah, man. You tell me, there's I'm not a-, a whole lot of unique takes among Steven Slayer fans. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this is like I'm this stunned is by like this the, development. <laughs> this is like the strongest of these of these dweebs. Mm-hmm. This is he's he the ch- came out on top. The Chad, he's he's him of of these guys. <laughs> Scam, don't watch. Okay. One out of ten. By the big guys gamers. <laughs> the big guy. Think of it. <laughs> Think of it. Quaaludes. <laughs> huh. First page. The much-anticipated Demon Slayer movie, The Hashira Training Arc, promised fans an immersive journey into uncharted territory within the captivating universe of the anime. However... What unfolded on the screen was not a groundbreaking, groundbreaking cinematic experience, but rather a deceptive scam, a recycled recap of old material disguised as new content. At its core, the Hashira training arc movie falls, fails, wow, I suck, <laughs> fails to deliver on its titular promise. Instead of offering fresh narratives or advancing the plot in meaningful ways, the film shamelessly rehashes scenes and storylines that fans have already witnessed in the television series. This egregious lack of originality not only betrays the audience's trust, but also fails to justify the investment of time and money required to experience the movie in theaters. Furthermore, the movie's marketing campaign was misleading. If not outright deceptive, promotional materials hyped up the Hashira training arc as a monumental cinematic event that would push the boundaries of animation and storytelling. However, instead of delivering on these lofty promises, the film serves as little more than a cynical cash grab, aimed aimed at exploiting the fervent fan base of the series. By by repackaging old content as new and charged new and charging full price for admission, the creators have betrayed their trust of their audience and tarnished the reputation of the Demon Slayer franchise. Uh, the reputation of the franchise. Okay, so From a creative oh, standpoint, oh, the Hashira training arc movie offers little in the way of innovation or originality. Rather than exploring new thematic territory or expanding upon existing storyline, the film merely regurgitates familiar tropes and visual motifs without adding any meaningful depth or complexity to the overarching narrative. As a result, it feels like a missed opportunity, a squandered chance to breathe new life into the Demon Slayer universe and captivate audiences with fresh storytelling. In conclusion, points deducted, the Hashira training arc movie is a prime example of a cinematic scam, a cynical attempt to capitalize on the success of the anime series without delivering on the promised innovation or originality by recycling old content under the guise of new material. The creators have betrayed the trust of their audience and undermined the integrity of the Demon Slayer franchise. As such, I cannot in good conscience recommend this film to anyone as it offers little more than a hollow imitation of the anime series it purports to celebrate 25 out of 46 found that helpful oops sorry no that was just like every other fucking (laughs) (laughs) they just however i do believe this guy actually put in his review that was like a paragraph long and said make it better or or make it the spending characters long (laughs) because 
Because I guarantee, because this is the problem with like ChatGPT, is that they will, it will repeat kind of what it says in just different phrasings. Yeah. And like sentence structure and syntax. And it'll just like repeat kind of like what, and you're just like, wait, that was exactly what you just said. Like, why are you telling me the same thing twice? He did that. He did that. This is the this the thing repeats multiple times that the movie Imagine. was bad because scam and cash grab and that did nothing new. Imagine using AI to generate your bad anime review. Here's the thing I don't understand. Like a training arc to me sounds like a filler arc. Why is everyone so like offended that there was a nothing happening? Why didn't why have we not gotten to the training arc yet? Yeah, like why That's where is all that the so action is going to happen? The Hashira training arc is um the Hashira is like the leader of the demon slayers. Like the they all have their style and there is right. a master of the style. That's the Hashira. Um and I believe um what's his name? Um fuck if I know. Oh fuck. Uh the Demon Slayer, the main guy. John the Demon guy Slayer. The guy with the green and black, um, mm-hmm. he is going to be like the water breathing, uh, like Hashira, I believe, unless they're making a new Hashira for his like special skill that he has. Um, and I guess this is where he's going. And the, the problem is, every single season kind of ends the same way. He gets fucked up beyond belief and his sword is destroyed. So after every like season, he has to heal and get a new sword. So he's done the same shit like three times in a row. So I don't really know what people expect. the The show is fine, mm-hmm. but it's a it's a bit repetitive. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of just hitting the same beats again and again, isn't it? <laughs> like people just want tits in this anime well, too, because it I does mean, a lot of fan service. Fucking, yeah. what's it like? In Inuyasha is basically that way, where it's the same fucking thing for a thousand episodes or whatever yep and that dude that that made that made like that was every high school girl's like secret like um uh, (laughs) yeah it's like their fan crush yeah it's like their guilty pleasure anime like you could you could just secure a date with any woman in high school be like yo do you want to watch inuyasha together but it's it's so fucking weird to me that like everyone's anticipating this training art. That'd be like me as a Dragon Ball fan being like, "Man, I'm super excited for to get back to to rewatch the series and get back to the part where Gohan trains with the Z sword." <laughs> yeah. Well, I I wa- I wonder if it's not going to be like a the training arc is probably not going to be like filler. It's it's probably going to have it's going to be called that, but it's going to have like not a ton to do with like Hasha retraining. It's going to be like an actual event going on that's pivotal to the story. Or it like gets interrupted, probably. Or hopefully, there's you would enough, hope. <laughs> there's enough training arc fillers in this already that I, God, I hope not. <laughs> Please, no. Yeah. The amount of times okay. I've seen him, well, actually, I don't watch it that often, but. Yeah. I've already seen multiple training arcs in this show. All right. Send us home, Peter. Yep. From Stuart Adams61834, um, five out of 10. Most peculiar cinema experience ever. 
So it's not a movie. Personally, I really just enjoy the spectacle of manga and animation in general on the big screen. And Demon Slayer never disappoints in for energy style, visual bravura and spectacle. And that's why I gave it six stars. But it's not a movie. People on here are saying, what's the problem? Mm, it's just an etiquette thing, I guess. If you go to the movies, you expect to see a movie. I certainly haven't ever before in the past 40 years. You can put two old episodes in another two episodes and rehash several montages of backstory and you get a gloriously nutty filler. But it ain't a movie. For fuck's sake. In fairness... They don't even attempt to make a movie. It felt like when you used to record stuff on VHS. I was half expecting somebody's brother's wedding and the best man's speech that might have been a nice radical sardonic touch, but still enjoyed it more than most of the tawdry dross coming out of Hollywood. Walked out of Argyle, but I know what... (laughs) know both the disappointment he didn't even heard of some fans and cinema goers what i will say is that it sets all up nicely for the next film which should be an absolute banger so i say so one for this and a slap on the wrist nine for visual feast bring on the real demon slaying mayhem and style next time out <sighs> zero out of zero there you have it there's uh, the new demon slayer and the people who watch it movie i guess and uh, a window into the the minds of people who 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 would pay money to see it? Um, you know, Lord we're all we're all changed all. men for having having been exposed to this. So, all right. Also opening this week in third, <laughs> Ordinary Angels, six point one six million dollars. A a truly independent film, um, supposedly inspired by an incredible true story of a hairdresser who single-handedly rallies an entire community to help a widowed father save the life of his critically ill young daughter. If the whole community comes together to help, is it fair to say that she single-handedly did anything? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) does not quite track there. It was... uh... Uh, but you got to have your lifetime movie in cinemas, I guess. I guess so. Uh, Madam Web, to the shock of no one, took it on the chin week on week with the drop. Uh, 61.4% week on week loss. <laughs> it's Okay. I want to go see this movie now because I've seen people watching it in the theaters laughing to it out loud. Yes. And I think it's better as a comedy. Like if there was a laugh track... Like every every five seconds, or when something goofy happens, I think it actually makes it a good movie. I I don't know if there's enough jokes for that. Yeah, there's not enough jokes no. to sustain it, and like no, not jokes, just events that happen. Yeah, I you understand want, that. But okay, put so a you want like track on it, and it makes it funny. Just like a riff track, yeah. Um, yeah, no, like I did, I did laugh when they were like, "Go watch an old movie to recover," and it cuts to her watching fucking in the middle of summer watching um a christmas carol yeah christmas carol <laughs> and i'm like what what the f- who the fuck are you like is this maybe that's public domain and that's why they picked it but Probably. like surely there's another movie you own the rights to that also is about like being able to impact future? the future and yeah. not you know themed around fucking christmas <laughs> But, you know, they also decided to make a Spider-Man movie without Spider-Man in it, so that's... Yeah. It It's only made $35 million Yeah, it's uh, it's quite the this bomb, but... True and, a true and amazing flop. 
shockingly, it's not even the biggest flop in the top ten. Again, Argyle is, is so much worse. Good advice. Uh, oh, yeah. Migration on the other end of the spectrum is just continuing its its marathon pace to yep to almost three hundred million dollars. Now it's brought another uh, almost three million, and it's holding steady week on week, only down twenty five percent. It's it's made two hundred seventy million dollars worldwide, shockingly. Fucking, you know what? I we clown on it a lot, but I guess they fucking up. If it, I guess they have a formula. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason they keep making this shit. I guess let it ride, make the calculated move, and rake in that money. Illumin, you you can't illumination. You can criticize for a lot of things. Being profitable is not one of them. Yeah, but they 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 take the. the Chinese uh, approach to profitability, where you just like make that bill of materials as as cheap as possible. <laughs> yep. That way, you don't have to sell it for much. Mm-hmm. Um, Argyle, speaking of, is actually getting hit even worse than Madam Web. It dropped three spots. The Madam Web's only two, down forty four percent to two point seven million in its fourth week of release it's made 88 milli worldwide so in twice as much time in theaters it's made like <laughs> barely more money than madam web nine million more than madam web this is not this is does not bode well for the and i want to remind everyone because to look at this movie you would never guess it but this movie cost 200 million dollars to make <laughs> I still don't understand how. It's got to be some sort of embezzlement scheme. Oh yeah, this is this is single handedly like the the um, the losses and the tax write offs are single handedly funding Henry Cavill's Warhammer 40k Netflix series. Yeah, the IRS right here. Fucking Universal is not going to have to uh, pay taxes for the next ten years. Yeah. See, you could instead of canning Wiley Coyote versus Acme, you just have to do one of these. Yeah. Um, Wonka is in seventh and it's eleventh week, bringing in two and a half million dollars, just about down thirty percent, wrapping up its box office run. Uh, Six hundred and seventeen million dollars for uh, the Timothy Chalamet led project, uh, and he's gonna he's gonna be in well. In the next couple of months with the yep. residuals from the, the two movies he's had out. I want him to go and I want him to visit Willie's chocolate experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was such a funny story. Like Yeah. Uh, just, the, the best part is they called the police and they're like, We can't do anything. You guys got got. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just just a true tried and true scam. You talk about all these sophisticated scams. Sometimes you just set up a fake event and you don't pay you just anyone. Gotta, and you gotta go back to basics. Nigerian prince route. <laughs> Respect the classics. Yep. Um, Drive Away Dolls opens in eighth, bringing $2.4 million in 2,200 theaters uh, from Focus Features there. That's um, brought in $3.5 million worldwide. I don't know how why this is going to release before it goes to... Uh, digital. I feel like this is going to be a movie that they're really banking on uh, streaming residuals and uh, on-demand viewing to to turn a profit. Mm-hmm. 
the Beekeeper, uh, still in theaters, shockingly, despite having been available to rent at home for a few weeks now, honestly. <laughs> um, $1.9 million in its seventh week. It's brought in $150 million worldwide, and uh, it's exactly what you expect. <laughs> yeah. The, the Chosen Just... Season 4, Episodes 4 through 6. Hell yeah! Again, still, it's in second week. still in theaters, um, and then it's it dropped five spots. But hey, it it made a mint, kind of. Yep. It J- made eight million dollars. I'm assuming just in time for episodes uh, seven through ten or seven through nine. Yeah, probably. I wonder if I wonder how many episodes there are, and if they're gonna like space it out so that the finale is like over Easter weekend. Dude, that'd be huge. Oh, that you know they're gonna sense. do that. Like oh dude and then and then it like parallels with like a in real life event where like Jesus actually comes back again ah uh, yes F- famous fathom event the chosen predicted this <laughs> it's the guy from the movie oh my god it for the shock finale me. of sh- the show we're gonna do the apocalypse I don't believe in Jesus but it wouldn't shock me if Jesus like tried to come back but like the world's so fucked up that he just got like sent to prison or something executed as a political prisoner. <laughs> what if God was one of us? Um, yeah, that's, that's the top 10. Who do, who do we lose this week? I believe it was anyone, the but land you. of bad is proven to be bad. Um, yes. no. we also lost anyone, but you yep. and Lisa and Frankenstein, Lisa Frankenstein has gone back to the dead. Um, I feel like the land of bad was just out for two weeks just so they could say they had a theatrical release and then they're gonna make a cleaning on streaming services. It's to uh, for awards considerations, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it Russell? They're, they're shooting for Get that Razzie. Get him those awards, dude. You got it. Uh, Russell Crowe. <laughs> Good shit. All right, that's that's the follow up. Let's. Uh... Let's move to gaming news now. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll dance through this. It's been a big week for Star Wars video games. I've got a couple of things I want to talk about here. Star Wars Dark Forces Remaster is out, um, available on pretty much all platforms, and it is uh, pretty feature rich. Um, it is kind of it. The engine's been rebuilt, but it does still have some of the same quirks that the original Dark Forces had, where the engine is designed around, I believe, a 75 hertz refresh rate. Um, oh. That's kind of what the clock is. So you get a tiny little bit of micro stutter at 60 and 120 FPS. But if you have a monitor that can do 144 or up, then you should be okay to play it at native. You can also, with a console command, adjust the clock um, to be uh, running at 60 frames per second. It will slow down the game a little bit, uh, which you might prefer, because it is it is somewhat difficult, as, as a Doom clone would tend to be. But um, it's a pretty faithful remaster, even if it doesn't quite capture some of the innovative technologies of Star Wars Dark Forces uh, originally. But uh, one of the cool things about it is that it's... Uh, it introduces a level that was shown on the box art, but wasn't in the finished game. 
and now it's been put into the remaster. So Night Dive Studios um, did an excellent revisit of uh, Kyle Katarin's uh, landmark FPS adventure um, with some of the best, uh, one of the better Star Wars games made yep. in LucasArts' heyday. So I would highly recommend if you're a fan of the first-person shooter genre or even just gaming history, picking up the remaster. Um, I don't think it's terribly expensive. Maybe like I 20 bucks. There's, it's It'll be $5 on uh, Xbox, $5 on PlayStation, $20 on Switch. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a great game, uh, and you all should pick it up. Other Star Wars game news that's maybe a little less positive depends upon your perspective on the matter. Embracer is reportedly selling Saber Interactive um, for $500 million. Uh, Saber Interactive is the studio that is working on the Knights of the Old Republic remake after Aspire was reassigned. Um, Embracer Group, as you will, as fans of the show will know, spent like a two-year period buying every game studio it possibly could and then realized that that wasn't a license to print money and is now trying to sell off some of those assets to recoup the costs. Um, The idea is that uh, the Knights of the Old Republic remake is still in development. Um, They had a lot of people laid off, though. Um, About 8% of the total Embracer workforce was laid off. Uh, last year um i don't know how many of those were from saber interactive um i don't the article does not list who it's being sold to simply calling it a group of private investors um Mm -hmm. the best possible scenario is that this group of private investors are big fans of of the old republic and, and we'll, bought it with we'll, the explicit intention to uh, we'll make sure make that this comes out. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like this purchase, I'm not sure where I land, if it makes it more likely or less likely for it to come out. I feel that development will probably be renewed because this is the biggest, obviously, game in the portfolio. But I'm not sure how distribution rights for that go. If they have to renegotiate with... Uh, Lucasfilm or whatever. Um, but like I've said from the beginning, as as much as I want want it to be real and would like an updated version of what I consider to be the greatest video game of all time, um, I, I will believe it when it is installed and running on my machine and not a moment before. Yeah. We'll just keep it. Keep yeah. It yep. Keep the faith. And then... Uh... And things will happen. Uh, keeping the faith, just like the Helldivers are keeping the faith that we will secure Malevolent Creek from the Automaton Scourge. Boys, this is your Helldivers 2 updates. Uh, Super Earth Command has advised me that there is, in fact, a name behind that. our malevolent or benevolent god. His name is Joel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Arrowhead Studios have come out and said there is a person with an actual title at our company called Game Master. He's a dev named Joel and he pulls the strings on intergalactic war like an all-powerful D&D DM. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he gets up at like two in the morning sometimes if he gets a notification that uh, we are winning too much and he will uh, make things a little bit harder sometimes. Uh, which is interesting to note because there was a planet called Malevolent Creek that was very difficult to fully liberate. Uh, and it looks like maybe the cards were stacked not in our favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's making it harder to to win certain planets. Um, and he pushes back, which does make sense. I mean, I think they were not planning on this game being super popular, so they had to kind of adapt. Um, when a ton of people started playing it, they don't want us to win too, too fast. If like you have like triple or quadruple the amount of people playing, you think that planets would get liberated relatively fast. An easy game might not yeah. be the most fun game. Uh, you want some challenge behind it. You want some grit. And uh, that's Joel's job, is to give us the challenge. Yeah. Man, it's crazy that this game about space fascists is being secretly controlled by a small number of people to manipulate the odds to keep the general populace from succeeding. That's crazy how that happened. <laughs> Absolutely in no way uh, resembling any real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, there has also been, uh, continuing some of the other news, there's also been, um, I guess, leaks. Uh, not really leaks. I think people were given um, some updates, and people were able to play with some new update, updated uh, guns and gear that you can get later on. Uh, one of them is a mech that you can control. This has been rumored for a while, and it seems like we've gotten our first footage of it. Mech you control. It's got some rockets. It's got some machine gun. Um and then some vehicles will be coming, but I don't think we've seen a ton of footage from that. Uh, we've seen some new stratagems, and we've seen some new weapons. That's pretty much it. Um, I don't know if there's... Uh, the next update, I don't think we'll introduce a new faction. They'll probably introduce that later, but there may be like an ultra-hardcore mode where the mechs are going to be needed to mm-hmm. to win because they seem a little bit overpowered right now. Oh, I just plop my my forty bones down on it, and it's installing currently. So, yeah, we'll be able to check it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely fix all the server issues, so you're gonna be good to go for, uh, for playing. Oh, there's not gonna be like, oh, there's not gonna be like a feels bad of like buying it and trying to jump in and then like having to wait a half hour to an hour to get in. Boys, yeah, we maybe, on? We might be yeah. on. Yeah, might be on. Uh, clear clear your evening. <laughs> clear. <Well>. Noted. <laughs> Yeah. Noted thinking. Cool. Um, I was going to do a five minute review of Bellatro, but because that's a roguelike, I can <laughs> I can get to it at my leisure. Um, there is no <laughs> real end game. Um, so instead, I will hit on a much more pertinent thing for this week: um, the Nintendo Yuzu uh, lawsuit. Yes, the Yuzu lawsuit. Nintendo, uh, famously litigious company, uh, is threatening the existence of one of probably the better of the two uh, Switch emulators. There is Reunijinx. It's a little harder to set up. Doesn't have quite as good compatibility as Yuzu. Um, And this is another uh, legal challenge to emulation as a concept. I don't yeah. know how good their case is. <laughs> so the argument is, correct me if I'm wrong, centered around the fact that you have to use their proprietary decryption keys to run the software. I believe that's it, yeah. 
However, Yuzu does not provide said decryption keys. You have to get them from your own copy of the game. Okay, so yeah, I think it's a, they're kind of taking the direction of this is this is piracy. This is like it's enabling piracy. Yeah, it's the same thing yeah. they did with the R four carts. Mm-hmm. I don't think they won that case. Um, and again, it's all centered around Tears of the Kingdom. That's their big, like, here's our case study on this. Um, and no, also knowing Nintendo, knowing their pattern of lawsuits, I'm going to make a speculation here. Um, Nintendo and it's a, so, the cabal <laughs> uh, sue only sue uh, indie projects or infringements on their IP when they're about to put out something that will be in the same space. We're talking about, you know, the poke, uh, what was it? Pokemon, uh, plutonium, right? Uh, um, yeah. Uh, Pokemon Uranium. SR or a, uh, another AM. Metroid two remake. Yeah. Yep. Um, those were both cases of like, we're, we're about to put out a product. That's this. So don't do this. But like, what the fuck could this possibly be? I, I see this as more, they do I, that often. Right. But they're like, I mentioned, their their crusade against piracy has been a little bit more uh I guess tears vindictive. of the kingdom on the, on the on Steam baby. <laughs> the day Nintendo releases a first party title on Steam is the day I quit this show. <laughs> well, well it was the la- we were planning to finish within 100 episodes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would be I would be stunned if that were yeah. the case. Um, they they did something similar. They threatened a lot of legal action against many ROM hosting websites that led to Nintendo ROMs becoming much harder to come by. Um, they sued the makers of the R4 DS flash carts. They sued the makers of several 3DS flash carts. Um, it's it's just what they do. They're very protective yeah. of their IPs. I don't suspect that. Tears of the Kingdom is coming to a new platform, especially a non-Nintendo platform. Um, I would be very surprised. I think they just... They came up... They somehow came up with a way they feel that they could attribute a tangible financial loss to piracy for Tears of the Kingdom. And that's they're awful, trying yeah. to, to get their pounded flesh. That's that's all I see this as. Oh yeah. boy, that that baby can cry. The kids, the kids are not they're not happy about. No one's happy about this. The kids the aren't the all right. Um, um just yeah, like so those. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what what happens with it. It sucks. Um, the people who are emulating the Yuzu are probably who are who are having to do all the shit about emulating are either people who have already bought the game and want to do stuff with it on a, in a computer environment. Such as mods, or um, just have it or run better. People who would have never bought the game. Yeah, like I, I use Yuzu to emulate, like, several of my Switch games that I actually own because they just run better on my Steam Deck than they do on the actual Switch. Yeah, um, and that that's really all there is to it. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's Nintendo throwing their weight around. Just like uh, my boy Paul was throwing his weight around. Paul E.M. The, the dunes of, of Arrakis. Big dune. Big dune he's energy. Dune it, he's dunin' it to him. Um, 
He had yeah. to do it to him. Let's do it. Let's do it. Jake, did your baby drink the water of life, and now <laughs> it's speaking to <laughs> speaking to your wife and telling her how to how to conquer the planet? Dude, I hope not. That'd be creepy. Um, yeah. Boy, oh boy. Um, yeah, does this look blue to you? <laughs> I sure hope not. But I sure would like to get some uh, some some blue juice and <laughs> see if I can uh, transmute that poison inside my belly. The blue milk. <sighs> Yo, he be dr- he be he really be transmuting that poison out here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Paul drinking the intergalactic lean. Um, yeah, Dune two. We're here. It's um, okay. it's more Dune. It's the I guess it's the middle. I thought this was gonna be like it was a two part. This is gonna be a three part. So this movie so is the middle section. I think from from the research I've been able to gather, it's it has largely wrapped up the events of the novel Dune. Yeah. The I believe, I believe the so. next movie will be an attempt to adapt, I guess, the entirety of Dune Messiah, Messiah which is yeah. the second book in the series. That was the one that somebody came. I don't know. Was it David Lynch? Um, who came out and said like it's it's like unadaptable. Like somebody was saying. I think that he said that like, about Dune cannot. in general. Said by Dane, yeah. Said by uh, David Lynch uh, after seeing his attempt at it. Um, well, he would know better than most, yeah. I guess. Well, well, I thought I thought it was specifically Messiah's when it got fucking weird. I, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I think it got fucking weird here. <laughs> Well, I mean, Paul isn't a worm yet, so that's the one thing I know about the the things that uh, Paul gets fucking he he goes off the rails on spice I, and I think that's in, I think that might be God Emperor or some of that. That's after he has like kids, I believe. Okay, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, um, I again I don't know I, a lot I've, of this. I've listened to some like review material, like when they talk about like the. The two movies, and then also like what it could have been based on the book, and then where it's going with like mm. a possible third movie. So there are six books movie. in there the is, yeah the main line. There yeah. is there's Dune, there's Dune Messiah, there's Children, Children of Dune, uh, Children of the Dune, God Emperor of Dune, Dune Emperor. Heretics of Dune, and um, Chapter House Dune. Uh, yeah, I think that's like, Weird. yeah, as you get along, it's like it, everything starts spreading out and you get all these like uh, apocryphal almost, if you will, yeah. Uh, yeah. stories. So, so I think this so movie watch... kind of illustrated for me that I might just not be super into Dune as a story. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I left I left I left the movie enjoying it, but I also left the movie thinking, wow, I'm sure there's going to be a handful of people who are just like, I'm not about it. Yeah. And I'm just not a fan of Dune in general. Like, yes, the movie itself created a like foundational like cornerstone for sci-fi in general, like from the book. Um, and even, even some of the movie, the 1984 yeah, movie. Yeah, it's a very um, influential work. I'm not going to deny but, that, but... But me. <laughs> you know, we only take inspiration of the parts we like. Yeah. And you right. know, as a as a whole, there are some And that issues a lot there. of that is the world building elements. I think I, I think it would be I I, I would not be I don't, I'm trying to figure so out what I'm trying to say I here. Um like... I would not I don't think I would get a lot of pushback from the fans if I said that 
the a lot of the strength of the Dune series is more in its setting and its uh, themes and vibes rather than the strict narrative of its story. And I think that's what happens. That's what is expressed here in the movie. And I vibe with that. The movie, for me, I, I think I came out of it a little more than Kurt. We uh, liking it um, for for similar reasons. Like it's it's very much an all over the place movie. It has to cover a lot of ground, and it does that in sort of a a vignette style style of way, where it's not one event leading into the next. Um, it's just kind of a cross cut of all these different things happening over the course of. Uh, an indeterminately long amount of time leading up to the final uh, scene. Like it kind of the, you know, the first book it has the plot. And then for the first half of this movie, it kind of spreads out. We have to keep track of a lot of things going on. And then by the third act, it all kind of comes coalescing back together um, at the final few scenes. So I, I wouldn't say that I disliked this movie. Um, I think, you know, Danny Villanueva is a, is a good uh, visual storyteller. Um, I feel like this movie at uh, the Dune Part One, uh, although I didn't like it as much as uh, you two did, I I thought it was a well paced movie that was easy enough to digest and follow, unlike the David Lynch movie. Yeah. This movie was a lot more <laughs> David Lynch esque, where things we were we were cut into things without a lot of explanation, and I feel like, and I'm not an expert on the story of Dune, but as a lay audience member, I felt that a lot of screen time was devoted to stuff that seemed less important than stuff that kind of got glossed over. Okay, I'm I'm interested here. Um, well, it's yeah, just like, like I, so, like you know, when when uh, you know his mom like travels south, and you know just becomes the leader of the southern <laughs> tribe, essentially, like that happens all off screen, and but we spend a lot of time lingering on shots of the ants crawling on <laughs> Dave Batista's head. Like I I feel like the, the the budgeting of some of the screen time was a little wacky. I I can totally get that. Um I, I totally understand that. And I I too was I was leaving thinking at how much stuff they could have covered because they did split up Lady Jessica. Which was Lady Jessica right Yeah. And and, and Paul. And they split them up, and like you had so many different stories going on at the same time. So it was interesting to see where they wanted to allot their screen time budget for, um, and not money wise budget, you know, just how much they wanted to actually put in the movie. Um, and I was trying to think, like, what what if they did spend too much more time on uh, Lady Jessica's part in the South? Because that was, I agree, you know. It seemed oh, vaguely important, her, right? Because <laughs> like you just see her go down there, mm-hmm. and you know they're fundamentalists. You you figure well, they're probably gonna like follow. Right, you have to make the assumption of like whole, if the northern people you know, were this easy to sway by Jessica. I guess so. Let's just get into it. Um, I guess spoilers. Um, well, I want I wanted to I wanted to okay, like yeah, briefly yeah. like mention where we where we uh, like left off from like the Dune Dune. Oh, one. I see. Um, so like just like. 
for for those of you that maybe it's been a minute since you've seen Dune One, um, you got House Atreides kind of uh, go taking governance by order of the Emperor um, of Arrakis and the um, the spice like collection of spice farming, right. uh, which is like pivotal to the um, the whole galaxy is like and space it's kind farming. of a poison pill. Uh, like, yeah, because the the uh, yeah, and and they knew it was a trap going into it. They they were just like, oh fuck, like this is this is a a gift that's not a gift. They said that there was a quote from the movie, um, and and they saw through the like the understanding of the emperor, um, and this happened. They, the House Atreides got wiped out. Um, they are like one of the strongest fighting forces, strongest militaries in the galaxy, um, and they got wiped out by their like rivals, Harkonnen. Uh, it was a little bit of a smart play, smart power play by um, the Emperor. It took out House Atreides that they were having issues with and also weakened the Harkonnens by, like, diminishing their, um, like, like uh, position amongst all the houses. Because they were like, oh, you killed out. You murdered out House Atreides. It's kind of fucked. Mm. Um, so that happened. Um, and then Harkonnens came back into control. And you had Paul escaping, being the last Atreides survivor. Um, and Lady Jessica, his mother, um, to the desert to kind of intertwine um, with the Fremen. Um, all while this is happening, you, the background notes are that Paul is being groomed to be like this messiah figure. Um, so that's what Dune 2 is kind of all about. Dune Part 2, rather, um, mm -hmm. is exploring that journey of becoming the messiah of the Fremen people. The Lisan, uh, Il, Lisan the Lisan al Gaib. Gaib. As Lisan Stilgar says so often. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Lisan al-Gaib is the Messiah. Um, he's supposed to be like an off-worlder who knows the ways of the Fremen um, and comes over and then kind of intermingles. What they explain in this movie, well, we'll get to it later, but um, uh, the kind of the background to this like messianic prophecy and the problems with it, the kind of... The, the problems with it, but also, like, the truth behind it? I don't know. Because there's a weird, like, yes, he is, but no, he isn't. Because everything's kind of set up by the Bene Gesserit. Mm -hmm. um, and how much of that can be believed? Because there's, it like, this is, like, a centuries-long thing that they've been, yes like, Millennia, planning and that has been around. Yeah. It's, like, it's like imagine if, like, the, the, the role of the Bible, like, the 2,000-year-old scripture that prophetizes something happening mm -hmm. um but like just somebody in the beginning and before that had like they've been all planning it's the closest thing, it, thing to happen. like it, it has shades of like actual illuminati type action like how it is like how the like the catholic church just like does not they go so slow right the whole like no don't make any changes quick we plan for for hundreds of years yeah you know, we're yeah, yeah. Long throw plans. Uh, it, it, it's very interesting because because um, you know we'll we'll get into it, but there's a moment where 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 Paul denies he's like he rejects the the title of Messiah. He's like I, I don't want to be like I don't want to be your Messiah. I mm -hmm. I want you to be free. I want to help you become uh, you know take back control of Arrakis and like defeat the Harkonnen. I can help with that. And it was right out, like, real like, quick once he drinks that worm water. <laughs> but like, but like, no matter what he said, like if he said, "Oh yes, I am your Messiah," mm -hmm. Stilgar would have been like, "Oh, I thank you for it's stepping up to your role." It's funny because like the first half of this movie is basically 
the life of Brian sci-fi edition where yeah. he keeps He's going like, I'm, not I'm not the messiah, the messiah. that's exactly He's the what messiah. the messiah would say yeah ex- yeah yeah so so there's um there's like a uh a, a cautionary tale and i think this is the the, the premise and the underlying theme amongst all the dune stories yeah. is the the underlying premise of like be careful who you put on a pedestal but be careful your heroes because the world doesn't um, need a you, chosen one that's gonna if you lift them up too much you you know you pull the joker the you, what is it you live long enough you yeah they're die hero you die hero long enough to see yourself die become hero. the villain yeah. so that's that's exactly what kind of happened and you know if paul had died in this movie he would have died a hero you know he, he mm-hmm. took the fremen um and he he brought them back to a, a place of independence against the harkonnens and they probably would have just controlled the the planet unless the emperor had you know another but family to what happens it. is well, different kind of but what happens I don't, is paul survives i don't know that he he, he, the fremen would have been independent because they needed to draw the emperor to arrakis to bring you know the fremen leadership to the planet or or the I, the, I the harkonnen leadership I, my bad yeah <laughs> I guess I don't really know what would have happened. Um, I don't know if they've ever like looked into or, or explained the stance from the Fremen, where if like if if Paul had died there and that's the end of his leadership, would um, well I guess I guess the the Harkonnen uh, guy would be the so new yeah he's kind of he's be, pushed well, to he's Ar- pushed to take the steps to go south because fucking uh, I don't know the the kid who uh, uh, Aaliyah. Who was so apparently? So I guess yeah. I guess we are again in spoilers. Yeah, um, now we, we can get to spoilers. Yeah, I say right if you haven't seen um, Dune one, don't watch this. I would say if you haven't seen either, I guess yeah, I would recommend watching Dune one. This uh, at least see what you want, uh, see yeah. what you feel about it. This is a lot more psychedelic than the first one. Um, yeah, the yeah, first yeah, one's but, a lot more palatable. Uh, apparently, the the David Lynch one where it was a little baby that grew up to be a child in like a month. <laughs> And was running around stabbing people like that was the can that's canon, like that's that's what happens yeah. in the books. And yeah. I think well, Denis was like, I'm not gonna over- have a little space child like running up to the emperor and be like, ah, the Quetzaltenoctl. I don't know what the time frame was in in the exact time frame, but I know it was multiple years that Paul was training with the Fremen, and that the baby would have had time to become like a toddler. But like the movie. And the book would make you believe that it was like a five. Well, it's got to be well, like that's, less that's time because she's like, pregnant at the beginning of the movie and she still hasn't had the baby at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this they they shortened it to like a year or something or yeah. less than a year. I and I think yeah. I like this approach better than the uh, the other way because like the idea is that Ali is like a weird abomination who's been mutated by the water of life. And in the mo- in the movie yeah. in the book in the. Uh, Lynch movie in the book like that was expressed by her being unnaturally prescient and aging very quickly but I like this where it's like a Rosemary's baby like my unborn child is talking to me psychically and like yeah. influencing yeah. my actions to take Baby's over the planet quite an opinionated baby for literally having never seen the sun um, well I think she really gets more opinionated um, when uh when she drinks the water of life, and then um, you are you are told to understand that the baby now has all the memories of the yeah the 
what is it the the mother the reverend mother yeah yes. yeah the 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 line of reverend mothers and it's it really is like yeah. a psychic 23 in me um where you get to hear you get to <laughs> learn your entire bloodline in one shot uh which is yeah that's that's where paul learns the uh well paul later learns the um the truth yeah. about lady jessica's heritage it's the it was the og you are related to the bad guy twist um which yeah, I guess was also that... set up because, like, I, I was watching back to the first movie and Leto and uh, Vladimir, they're cousins. So it's like, and then when uh, um, our young Paul, he learns he's in Harkonnen by his mother's side as well. And he does the same thing when he's talking to Freyd. He calls him cousin. Um, that yeah. was apparently that was a callback to the first movie, too. So, like, here's the thing. I, I understand that's what's written in the book, but narratively, that's completely unnecessary. <laughs> like it adds yeah. zero to the story. Yeah, they really don't do a lot with it, other than like I guess that's the catalyst for him deciding to change up his tactics. No, the catalyst for him deciding to change up his tactics is fucking feed Freed showing up, Austin Butler's character showing up, and glassing yeah. the fucking uh, hideout for the northern tribe yeah, the, of the Fremen. The yeah. That's the only reason he decides to change course and go south. Because he's like, I don't want to go south. I don't want to go south. I don't want to go south. I have no choice the now. The entire apparently. fucking movie. Until he has no choice. And then he sips that worm juice. And he's like, JK, I think I want to be emperor of the universe. <laughs> yeah. I'm... <laughs> there's. I, I guess I have to do this. I see the future now. I'm going to be Anakin Skywalker. And... There is there's a lot of Star Wars prequel trilogy in this, or maybe it's fair to say there's a lot of doing in the prequel. Maybe trilogy. it's all coming back around because it's like there's the the faded um, the tragic romance that um, turns sour as our main character turns evil. Kind um, of that romance have, was so underdeveloped. Apparently, I, that might have also been a thing from the book. Like Chani was even like a better character than she was in the book because at least like. What I'm Probably. hearing is in the book, I she like, didn't she even got, speak uh, out against yeah. like his fanaticism. She just kind of went along with it. Yeah. And I like, like I, her as that character to be like, hey, this is fucked. The, these people are crazy. You're doing something insane by like playing into this. Yeah. I just I, want I just want Arrakis to be free. I don't need it. I don't need a god. I think I think the whole uh, opposition for the northern tribe um, I mean, maybe it was in the book, but I, I, I feel like it was it was punched up a bit for this movie, um, mm-hmm. to kind of give Zendaya more to do. Uh, yeah, because she's a you build you build her as the the female lead. Yeah, you you gave her top billing, so like her character needs to be a little more um, robust yeah. than it is it is a nice contrast against javier bardem which i think is it was also he was supposed to be like intentionally funny like it's oh comic, yeah I'm sure but also I'm tragic sure. in that like he just he's so blindly fanatic that anytime mm-hmm. paul does anything he's like <gasps> lisa al-gaib oh my god he did the thing <laughs> yeah that was um uh one thing i was really interested to see how they were going to build up chani because I know that was our one criticism from the first movie where she had like two, three scenes in it and no speak, like one, yeah. one line of dialogue she was top when he first build. meets her. She's like barely in it. And she's 
again, she's billed as like one of the main people. Um, and, and I, yeah, that was one of the big changes from, I guess the book and the original, um, 1984 movie was that Chani was just kind of going with the flow. And this one, she's definitely more of a, uh, a Padme, you know, you broke my heart. You're not, this isn't like you, you're not the Paul that, um, you know, I felt it like goes so. like it, it's so f- the pacing kind of creates a lot of unintentional comedy, at least it did for me. Where like they have their scene where she's like, You'll always have me as long as you're you, and then like literally the next scene is him drinking the worm juice and completely mm. changing his personality like a fucking switch that got flipped. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean... And then but, she reacts uh, you know, to that's, it that's like whole... he's been... Like, she revives him, and then she reacts to him like he's just, like, spent the last six months tearing apart their relationship. It's just yeah. so sudden. And I understand you you have the time you have, right? Like, this movie was already two hours and 45 minutes long. Yeah. Um, probably unreasonable to... As from a financial perspective, to make it much longer, because then you start running against Mm -hmm. showtime limitations in theaters, all the stuff we talked about with Oppenheimer last year. But it it creates some funny moments like that for me, where it's like, (laughs) unless this thing happens, and then before they even finish the sentence, the thing happens. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think there was more pacing issues in this in this movie than there were in the the part one, where where that one was paced much much more consistently and you told that story very and it made the story much more digestible where in this one it did the same thing throughout i think like the maybe the first half of the movie and then the pacing kind of picked up and it kind mm. of changed um notes around the time that maybe uh, uh fade started getting into the mix of things um and then you you got to see things happen in a much more Boom, 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 this happens, then this happens, and this happens. It where there you get a much more causation, um, uh, mm. because of like things that are happening. Fade comes in, he glasses one of the the Fremen, Siege. the main the Fremen like yeah. location, and then and then that causes that forces Paul to to move south, um, and kind of like betray Chani, um, and mm. that's where you you see her, you know, I guess the character. It, it's Chani, weird. Feels much more betrayed, but we don't really feel it. Yeah, because she we, says we, that we, we she she says to go south to... with them. Like <laughs> the betrayal, like it's hard for me to view that as a betrayal because they're all like, "Oh, we have to go south," including her is telling him he has to go south, and he's like, "No, I'll stay here." And she's like, "No, you'll die. You have to come with us." And then he goes with them and drinks the worm juice. <laughs> she brings it back from the dead, and now she's mad at him. I think. I don't know. I think that well, was because he, instead of just going and and not doing that, he just. I don't. I, I guess that's the question for me. I gotta look back. It's like why did he decide to do that instead of just going south and, um, joining the the crew. I forget. I that part I, lost me. Uh, I I. They I didn't really I, explain yeah, why to, he decided to, to drink the water of life. It's not really explained. Yeah, I, I I'm trying to rack my brain. He says he doesn't want to go south because if he follows south, follows his mother, he's going to lead to the death. He's, he's seen the visions the of what happens if he gains control. 
and and that's why he's hesitant to go south. Like that much is made very clear. He goes south out of necessity, and I guess he just doesn't know that drinking the water of life is going to be the catalyst to set off the chain of events. Yeah. Well, I think all he's told through his like visions that he's having currently are like the spice is kind of opening up his mind. Like the spice opens up his mind, but he, needs he thinks the... that's all he needs to do. But to truly become like open and have your mind open, like in order to do that, in order to see, you need to drink the water of life. That's what I think is the impetus behind him drinking the water of life. It just seems so odd that he is willing to um you know knowingly yeah he betrays his principles like, if he, with if he no on-screen provocation yeah i guess there's nothing i guess maybe if he doesn't realize that drinking the water of life is what's going to lead to the events of the holy war then then he's willing to do that mm-hmm. but and man i don't know it just seems like he, that's what his mother wants him to do so with, if you're continuing to follow what lady jessica says to do then you are going to do that holy war. And he should have realized that that's what drinking the water of life mm. is, is, is that, is that your triggering factor that's going to change him. That's going to lead to the holy war, make him that Messiah. And he does his character flips at that point. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where this kind of makes this movie a little bit more like the David Lynch one was I... where he, he does it. I remember him at some point like flipping, like his character was very consistent, and at some point, it must have been the water of life part where he just kind of he turns the into fucking Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, he, I do. He turns into the Messiah. Yeah, I do like the the scene at the War Council where, like, it is it's it's got a lot going on in terms of all the themes that are kind of built up over the movie. Where he's just like, "Shut the fuck up, everyone! Shut up! I'm I'm yeah. him. I'm him. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm him." And he's I I saw that as like I saw it as like. This is this is the Jesus performing miracles moment. Like people need to see to believe. Like this is him, like pulling a, a David Copperfield moment. <laughs> David <laughs> like, Nickelfield talking to you. <laughs> what what is the uh, what are like the uh, the the Jersey uh, medium, <laughs> the New Jersey medium <laughs> that yeah. that had like a TV show where she's like, um, somebody's grandfather died. Uh, yeah, two yeah. Years she ago does. From this he does. He does like the fucking. Goop lab reading, <laughs> fucking reading. What would have been so much better is if like there was like a Benny Gesserit player in the in the background being like, "Nice, we planted them there perfectly." <laughs> <laughs> like, good. He got he got the yeah. He's doing his Blair buoyant routine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so like I I thought that was like kind of a little goofy because he's kind of doing like a medium work. It was yeah. kind of goofy. It's but made like it's made more needed. goofy by the fact that like. Timothy Chalamet has the least intimidating yell I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't strike it, as an imposing so figure. It, yeah. it sounds goofy Tim- when he tries to, like, raise his voice and be stern. The middle of this movie... And that's not like, his fault. That's just his this, voice. This dude has range. <laughs> like, he can, he can somewhat play, like, an intimidating figure and, at the same time, play Willy Wonka. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know how the fuck he changes like that. Um, mm. That's kind of, uh, kind of psychopathic. But yeah. he's able to um, do it somewhat. Yeah. I, I like how they all just, like, the one of the small things to me is, like, they have all these rules about the war counts and who can speak and all that jazz and stuff. And just, it's out the window. You know, they don't 
they just abandoned their their so-called rules and culture just as soon as they got what they really wanted, which was uh, a figurehead, you know, a, a spiritual leader who can uh, give them everything that they've been promised. Yeah. Um, and then you get the final scene where I and we didn't talk about the visuals. I do really like the visuals of this movie. Like, yeah, he's a very talented visual storyteller. That that's really the strongest part of the movie. By his own admission, he does not like dialogue. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> telling, um, very telling. No, I, I like, yeah, I really like the scene where it's they're planning their attack and it pans over and it's the emperor's ship, uh, because the emperor comes down right and he's over his palace that he set up on in the south and it's just the fucking orb in the sky yeah, over this the like fucking death alien egg is pyramid. crashing down into the the planet. Yeah. And like a lot of the battle scenes are really cool. Uh, that there's a big conflict between the the Fremen and the Harkonnens, and I mean it's it's no Battle of Helm's Deep, and it's not even like the the Avengers Endgame uh, level of spectacle. But it's it's a pretty cool uh, scene, and a lot of the action scenes look cool. The whole movie looks nice. Mm-hmm. It, it's shot well, shot composition's really great. It's just narratively. It's a lot harder to follow than the first movie, and if yeah. you if you it like if you like the story of Dune, I'm sure, and you know it beforehand, I'm sure you'll get a lot out of this. But if you're not someone who's read Dune before, or you're someone in in my shoes where you're coming around to having seen every you've seen every Dune movie made, and you've read you've read a fair amount about like what happens in the books and whatnot. You just kind of come around to the fact that mm, maybe this story just isn't that engaging for me. And if, if yeah. you fall into that category, you're not going to get nearly as much out of this movie. That being said, it is, it's still an entertaining movie. Like, I don't dislike yeah. the movie. I just don't feel it's like a masterpiece. I, yeah, I think, this is, I, I think this is the best way you can tell the Dune movie for a general audience. Mm-hmm. Because... The book is so far out there that it really appeals to somebody who's really open for some really out there stuff. Yeah. Um, and and that's not for everybody. Totally understand that. Um, but this is more for how can I how can I convert that to something digestible for, for the common yeah, man, mainstream, or, or not even blockbuster like, audience, like even even somebody who's like a cinephile. Like who wants like a, a well written, well paced movie um, with the with the Dune kind of lore behind it, um, and this one so because like you can tell even from the the things that he left out, like there were no navigators. Um, I think remember mm-hmm. that was in the David Lynch movie with like the giant floating brain jar yep. or something like that. Or yep. Somebody who was like so hopped up on spice. Uh, they were like really yeah. good at. There's like one the scene of him in the first movie, and then they just kind of. He's like, no, don't, don't muddle. Yeah. Like it's cool lore wise, but it's not important to this story. Cut it out. Yeah, like he, he took out, he took out the murder baby. There were no murder mm-hmm. baby. In he took movie. out Thurfier, and that was a pretty. <laughs> Which um, was is that the Mentats? Yes, because he did not include the Mentats in this one. They just pre- presumed dead. Hmm. Um, I don't even think I saw like Mentats from the Harkonnen side either. Like maybe it was those dudes um, chanting in the control room. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Um, and then there was uh, what was the other one? Oh, the the weirding way. He didn't have the weirding way at all in this. Like he didn't even make his own version of it because I think the the even the 
David Lynch version was different from the Frank Herbert version, Again. where the Weirding Way was like a just a really good martial arts yeah. fighting, and then and then David Lynch was like, well, what if it a was. Gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but what so, if it had that gun? you controlled with <laughs> your voice? <laughs> so, um, and Denis was like, "Nah, we're just not gonna have anything with the weirding way. This is kind of goofy, and it's like I don't want people watching this being like, are you trying to like copy Star Wars and like have a force power?' Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> It's well, yeah. So the, there's, so there's a lot the, that had to be sacrificed at the altar making this yeah. movie uh, accessible. And I was fine with I was fine with pretty much everything he sacrificed. Yeah. I I can live without Murder Baby. I can live without uh, a scene to explain or barely explain. Probably like this floating jar of. I feel like Murder Baby's like probably coming in the next movie. Yeah, <laughs> we got uh, we got Anna Taylor Joy on the way. She's gonna. <laughs> I mean, Anna Taylor Joy is a big. Yeah role to cast for 30 seconds or less of screen time um, abomination she doesn't even put vo- she didn't even put her voice work in like any of yeah. it there's probably more yeah. to be honest they but, gave her one um, five they gave her a half hour photo shoot on that scene like all right here's her costume dude, florence P- we're gonna get some b-roll we're good do florence Pugh, christopher walken and anya taylor joy made the easiest paycheck of their life yeah they were hardly in this movie, and they were just like yeah, Florence, Florence just Pugh had had a, a number of scenes. Yeah, I want to see. I want to. I wonder how much Christopher Walken actually agreed to work for for this movie. Because like, I part of it I feel like is he wanted to do it for him. Was like I love Dune, um, and I get to be the Emperor. I have to yeah. assume he might have accepted a little less pay for that. He probably just took the standard yeah. rate. I mean, like Tom Hanks. I I listened to an interview about it. Uh, he was talking about filming Greyhound, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll just for movies like that that I I like and I kind of want to see get made, I'll I'll just work for the standard rate per day, yeah. Which is still like, it's not like millions, yeah, pennies, but it's it's not ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he did he did a good job while still sound like Christopher Walken. I was like, every time he was talking, I'm like, yes." Ah, uh, the he never say he never does say ah uh, the Cuisettes had a rack. <laughs> I want to. I, I gotta imagine flow. there's some. I gotta imagine there's some like there's some bloopers or there's some like uh, deleted scenes where they were just like, all right, try to say this, and they're just like, that didn't sound. Uh, right. So here's the uh, thing with Christopher Walken. He's like actually he's done like every Shakespeare that he's yeah. done. Like you give him monologue, he's he can do it perfectly because he's he's been a stage actor for years he's done shakespeare dozens of times like he's he's an accomplished actor that's why he's so good Mm -hmm. with monologues Mm -hmm. um he just happens to have a certain affect but like i feel like people make fun of him more even though someone like robert de niro has the same thing where he just has a a particular way of speaking but no one ever like gives him shit for it (laughs) (laughs) It's because I like I don't know I, it's an endearment thing for me like I don't really care about Robert De Niro <laughs> like he just oh, I'm Robert De Niro hey Duncanino it's <laughs> completely what? different person <laughs> see I don't <laughs> care <laughs> oh my god um, yeah they uh, I this is a, this is a good I I, think I do want to speak on the um, ending 
on a, I think the ending. I think it could have. I get the oh. idea that like, yes, Paul's about, he won the day. He did all the things, but it's to leave the impression like this is not a good thing. And he left his love of his life behind to do political shit. But, it, but like, it felt rushed. I would have liked it? to yeah. like, yeah, like she's just, it doesn't seem to jive and like rap. It's not like a good, like in a song, you know, you have a, an ending chord, a cadence, right? That kind of boom, it's the end. And it doesn't hit that. Like her looking, her like preparing to catch a sandworm feels like there's about to be another scene right after. Like yeah. if she was looking to the stars, it was like, Paul. So Paul. And let then, me, it, then it ends. I'm like, okay. I'm going to invoke yeah. another movie that has a larger story being told over a trilogy across the Spider-Verse. It's part two of a three-part story. And yep. the ending of that movie ends on a a beat that sets up the events of the next movie but it it's like a hopeful note you can also make the same uh kind of uh argument with uh empire strikes back right that movie ends mm-hmm. where uh you know luke gets rescued they pick up luke from the bottom of cloud city he gets yep. his hand worked on you know they're the they're licking their wounds but they they know what they have to do to move forward and this movie, it just kind of, kind of ends, like it, it ends with her riding off on a, on a sandworm. Well, not even. It's like preparing to, which is, which is part of it. Like you feel like, like I said, I feel like there was supposed to be another scene, another shot after that shot, <laughs> but it, instead, it was credits. Yeah, it just, it doesn't really. I mean, they kind of set it up. I feel like it would have been better to wrap it up with. Uh, lady jessica's narration about how paul's getting ready to like wage war with the great houses and like you know where it kind of panned up to to show all their ships in the sky and whatnot i think that would have been a better place to end it but i guess we just zandaya i guess in her contract had i need to be on screen for x number of minutes so (laughs) we're gonna tack this scene i'm making stuff off of my head right now but i would i would really like remember from the original dune where it's like and for the first time it rained on arrakis in a thousand (laughs) years like that's a great little line i was waiting for. but if that if it was that line from lady jessica over like zendaya crying into the sand that would also be that would be heat or or, or like a lot of Fremen, like like all the Fremen going out and like crying because they're like finally that you're right? so fucking right, right? Yeah. Because they made the point. They made you can't the even point cry. To say, like you got never, never give away your your yeah. water, never cry over over this. Like it, it's such an important thing, and the the aspect of water is so important to them that they their their funeral ceremonies are around <laughs> which like. Uh, sapping the water out of dead bodies and giving it into like the pool of life, which the the juicero of the future. <laughs> Fremen Soylent juice. green. Fremen juice <laughs> is a uh, like that. The pool of Fremen juice was a uh, that probably top yeah, ten. That did strike me moments. as impractical because like the whole, in the even in the first movie they're like we need to give his water back to the community. I'm like okay yeah it's all about recycling the water and making sure that nothing goes to waste. But, but just kind of sits in a pool there that no pool. one can touch. Yeah. Like what happens? What happens after a thousand years? What's when your just plan for happening? this water? <laughs> it's it's going to evaporate if you don't use it. <laughs> it's hot you're gonna on Arrakis. Of, you're going to you know, run out of people water. <laughs> there's, you know, there's a, there's a concept out there called trapped water. Um, like in, in yeah. real, 
like uh, society of like how many bottles of water are just like enclosed that'll never degrade and have like some water in there, and how that's like sapping it from the earth and then just like end up in a landfill. Um, yeah, they're they're kind of trapping water and like ruining the water kind economy of, a, of Iraq. Don't move, Fremen. Come on. Um. <laughs> they're the real reason the paradise is not yeah. there. Um, yeah, the, this the ending. I I thought they kind of fumbled it a little bit. We move into like the ending of this movie where this whole this independence of the Fremen, this um revolt against the Harkonnen um, army or like uh, house, mm-hmm. you know, has been built up this entire movie, and uh, they finally get there, and they're finally about to wage their war against them, and they like they do it super easily, which I believe in the in the movie and probably in the book was probably the same way where they just kind of wiped out the Harkonnen army. Um, and they just kind of like, they kind of just step all over the Sardaukar and confront the emperor just really easily. And I just felt like there was not a, we were, we were like, they didn't fight for it. Like they fought for it, it but was, like they lost no, like how many Fremen were lost in this assault? Right, and I think that's going to become... <laughs> like, five? They, they don't really show it here, but I feel like that's an important part of the Dune thing, is that, like, later on, especially when they go on a galactic-scale war, that, like, so many people die <laughs> during this war across the entire known universe. Yeah, it's Paul says, problem. like, millions maybe, die across the galaxy or something like that. Which, maybe it's, maybe it's built up that way for a reason. Um, you know... He took over Arrakis so easily without losing any soldiers. So the Fremen people really don't know what loss is yet. Like, unless it's just a one-sided, like, attack on their people. Yeah. But if it was if it was different and they're, they're going to army, like, against an, another army... Because this cannot be the whole Harkonnen army, right? Mm. It's not all the Sardaukar. It's not all the I Harkonnen. think it was it's a, a reduced... small faction. Yeah, and reduced after set up, a, a long campaign of sabotage and, yeah, and war. It was a long campaign of sabotage, and it was only a part of their army. So, like, if they were even to fight a real army like they're about to do, now they're going to go up against some tacticians, and they don't have they don't have the element of surprise. They don't really have the desert power. They don't power. have the guerrilla warfare. Yeah. They don't have yeah they don't have the worms to to utilize Which, on their side so that was a small thing that we Kurt and I were I was joking with Kurt about I was like they ride the worms in as one front of their assault like their multi pronged attack right the atomics from the yeah. back the worms from the front or whatever the hell you know or is maybe it was the same side um, but they ride the worms in I just go I go look at Kurt and I'm like hey remember earlier in the movie when everyone had laser guns that could cut through anything. Yeah, and like the the funny thing about that is the other funny thing with laser guns. I know there's probably an explanation, but but like there's there's the scene where they're where they're like underneath the the Harkonnen like sand crawler spice harvester thing, trying to shoot down the uh, yeah. There's very the helicopter sophisticated plan to sabotage it and destroy its support systems with rockets and frontal assault. And then the next scene, we see one of those crawlers, and they just shoot the laser cannon right through, and it blows up. From a mile away. (laughs) Why didn't you lead with that? (laughs) All right, Jake, tell us. I know, I know, I know. Oh, my God, you guys are so stupid. I know the laser shield interaction. I know that. Yeah, that's why. Well, then why didn't they? I mean, So the the sand crawlers aren't shielded except for that one time that they were? No. Yeah. The the desert crawlers, no, they're not. They're they're never shielded. Then why didn't they snipe it before? I mean, they could. That's what. That's what. Yeah, that's 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 our whole 
argument. And like, why? That, you know, they didn't put a, they don't put shields on the sandworms. They put, why don't they just laze they gun put the sandworms? They put Shani and their supposed the, messiah in grave mortal danger to accomplish something they could have accomplished so the, at range. The um the uh the the sand crawlers um cannot have the shields because if their shields are active, um they they will like send the worms into a frenzy and i think it i think they right. sense it farther so they'll like be attracted to those to the shields i guess maybe if they're on the ground so the aerial units aren't really attracting them because they're not touching right. the sand. i have no problem with that um, yeah the shield the shields make the worms go into like a killing frenzy and then also lasers that interact with the shields um i'm guessing there's a lot of caution that's not it should have been explained there needs to be a lot of caution when using the lasers because if the shoot a shield with a laser then it's gonna like create atomic this explosion insane yeah. atomic explosion and it's gonna like people are gonna die on both yeah. sides um and there's gonna be nobody left to like yeah. you know come out maybe, on top. maybe it was this and um i don't know i'm not gonna try and this isn't to make excuses for denis but maybe there should have been a scene where i think what was happening was that first attack was getting lays guns like that was a raid to cripple a a sandwalker and get lays guns that they could then use on other uh sandwalkers that would make sense, sense to me yeah but they don't he doesn't show that in the movie so i don't know yeah yeah and like all the aerial units are covered in the shields so they can't shoot them down with the lasers um that's why they have to use like the vibrating rockets um to get past because even when they decrease the shields they still had to get past it somewhat um because it must only deactivate in certain areas or power down to a point mm. where the um the rocket can like yeah they said something it. to the yeah. effect of it they, has to be shot at a specific t- like when when the ship i think fires its gun the shield like goes down is, is down and yeah. that's when they can shoot the rocket that's why you had to draw the fire down or yeah. reduced or something like that yeah um yeah, yeah. so i um, do like that the, the, because the, of the way the rocket works where it's mostly propellant and then a little bit of explosion when she shoots it at the one harkonnen he goes looney tunes flying into the other <laughs> side of the wall and then explodes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i like that it's like literally like an rpg um yeah that's that was that was fantastic um, um yeah, I, I totally get that, though. I mean, that's going to happen all the time when you bring in, like, an ultimate power into, or, like, a seemingly ultimate power into, like, a yeah. universe and a sci-fi universe, because it's like, well, why can't you just use it? And, I mean, it's a very so, easy explanation in the final scene of, like, yeah, no one was expecting them to ride the worms into the emperor, onto the Emperor's palace. They were also not expecting them to bring out the nukes, which uh, is... Another thing that's not mentioned is like anyone who uses nukes breaks the non-aggression pact between all the lands rad and become like an outlaw. So if you use nukes, everyone can use nukes mm. against you. Like you've you've opened up that genie. You can't put that back. I I wonder if that's a um I wonder if that's an option or a, a, a Well, the only reason Paul got out of it was like gonna I'm going to glass the, the planet that has this really important resource on it if you try and do anything. Yeah. He he That's pulled true. a Doctor Evil. He hijacked some nuclear weapons and held the world hostage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there there's a lot of really interesting like parallels to current and like past politics that like the globe has seen, um, which is always fun to analyze. Um, but I don't really feel like getting into it, and I'm not as I've... educated on it. But I know, 
I know spice equals oil. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm holding, Nukes are a I thing. will hold Arrakis hostage unless you give me one million Solaris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's such a small guy. But honestly, this this uh, this movie just made me want to go play the Dune Dune board game. Yeah, you know they 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 did a really good job with the newest one that is um more movie accurate or movie like com- comparable. Like there's a drawn Timothy Chalamet and a drawn Zendaya. Yeah. It makes me yeah. Um, I want to print out it's, it's, uh, it's, screenshots from this movie and make them wallpapers, and maybe play some psychedelic rock and take LSD while I look at them. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I kind of want to go back and watch the first. Yeah, I, I kind of um, regretted I, I not like that's, watching that before going to see this because I, I it took me a while to kind of like catch back up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely wanted to just because it would have been. I I think these movies, even though it'd be a annoying like five six hour sit down, uh, these movies are definitely supposed to be played in tandem. Um, because there's a lot of shit to remember from one to yeah, the or next. maybe like just not. Um, years apart <laughs> yeah maybe yeah. not four and, years and apart need, from like each a, other i mean that was the big problem with the first movie that came out people needed a glossary to to well, watch that's the what, like movie. the first third of the um, book is it's basically just a glossary yeah. of terms so you can understand the rest of it i i started listening to the audiobook for like a minute and i was like boy this is exhausting it's, it's dense <laughs> very dense science fiction because it's just it's just buzzword after buzzword after buzzword that you need definitions for that they don't describe until later, or you have to get the context elsewhere. Um, and it's, it's, it's rough. Mm-hmm. So it's a dense subject material, and I think they did the best they could have done with this. Uh, I don't see another version of this like appealing the amount of people that it will appeal to. Like If you want to go for the hardcore Dune fans, sure, they're going to complain about not having Murder Baby. Um, but, uh, you know, the general audience is going to be like, what murder baby? <laughs> That'd be dumb. <laughs> <Yeah>. dumb. <laughs> so if, if they had it, like, uh, like who, who is this, who is this movie for? Is it for the hardcore Dune fans or is it for the general audience? And I think for the general audience, it did great for a part two. I think it did great. It's tough to do because it's a dense subject material. Yeah. So, I, fans of the books, I maybe, think maybe it's like, as it's again. as best as they could have done for general audiences. I, but I I feel that more so than with part one, general audiences might struggle with this one. Yeah, yeah. If it makes sense, the best for a general audience of a movie for Dune does not necessarily mean that it's a perfect ten out of ten movie. I, what it means is it's a very good. Seven it's to a eight digestible movie. It, it's something that someone who is not like super into all the lore could understand, mm-hmm. and that's good because it's it's weird enough still that it'll spark the imagination of people who haven't read the books or or haven't uh, delved deep into it who are seeing it for the first time. They're like, "Whoa, this shit's so fucking wild!" Eh, and it seems I don't like know. the IMDb like rating is falling part of it too. Um, it's down to nine, and it was at nine point four. Yeah. So well, at one point it was at ten. The, um, yeah, I think as the general audience starts to go see it, it's gonna, it's gonna get, it's gonna even out. Yeah, that always happens. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It's just like when I looked at it um, on 
Friday, it uh, it had like eighteen thousand reviews, and it was at nine point zero. So like, obviously, more than eighteen thousand people are going to see this movie uh, and submit reviews for it on IMDb. So that's gonna uh, probably yeah. it'll probably end up closer to the first one, which is at like an eight point six, I think, something like that. Um. So. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, <laughs> the IMDb user reviews are are amazing as so as far. they they always are they always are. Um. Yeah. So that's yeah. Dune Part Two. Uh, join us. Well, I don't know. Maybe the show won't be around in 2028 when the next part releases, but <laughs> maybe we'll come back. And do we'll do that. a reunion episode to finish the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah that's going to do it for, for this episode. So uh, until next time, be well, yeah. stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.